Get off my plane. When evil lurks in Gotham City, only Imagine X RC Batbot has what it takes to save the day. The Joker's up to his old tricks. Fire! But you can use the power pad to turn Batbot into a gigantic Batman robot. It's that time again where all your hopes of hearing a serious comics podcast is put to a halt as two knuckleheads talk about nonsense. This is the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast. I'm Eric Shea. And I'm Jim Warner. And this is Weird Out Loud, uh, episode nine. There's <laughs> Weird Out Loud. I, hey, I like this the time name. I was waiting to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> I put it at the end again, hoping you would. Oh, yeah, try to sneak <laughs> it in there. Nice. Well, you know what? What's that? We had a lot of reaction from last uh, episode. Well, I expected we would. Yeah, it's not much positive reaction either. Eh. Now, first off, it started with uh, uh, Ryan Clark. Yes, Brightest Brightest Daycare. Daycare. Who actually does a section with us, uh, or a section (laughs) for us, with us, uh, called The Other Side, that he reviews a comic that is not DC, which we enjoy, you know, doing or having him do. Yeah. he didn't like his intro last week. <laughs> and, and funny when he he put this, he sent on Twitter that you know he was so glad that he got to be introed into his segment with a lot of Sally Star talk. That's the thing; I completely forgot about how that was the intro to it. So did I. And I knew fact, we talked I, about it; had no idea. I thought that it wasn't. I thought yeah. that he was, you know. And then uh, we went back and forth where I actually uh, wasn't sure if he was serious or not. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't like Sally Star. What's all this hate for Sally Star now? She brought so many, so much joy to children throughout the years. And and adults. And adults. And yes, a lot of adults. And it's funny because when I look at the stats for the podcast, there are a lot of people from the Philadelphia area and Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure that some people listen to it know who Sally Star is and, and hopefully... Possibly the family of Sally Star and we get yeah, sued. that's very... <laughs> I don't know how you can get to... Well, I guess maybe you could, but if we're going to have to pull out the facts, they're, you know, she may not want to... Delve into that. Not that Sally <laughs> Star's with us anymore. God no. rest her soul. But yeah, that was just the start of the, um, what would you call it, a tidal wave of hate? I guess. Is that what you'd like to say? Because uh, we're going to mix it up a little. Possibly called a shit storm. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of people claim that, you know, there's no bad publicity. Is that <laughs> what I want to say? Or I don't know if yeah. it's publicity, but uh, okay. Not publicity. You know what I'm saying. That there's, you know, as long as you get attention, bad, good, it doesn't matter. So I would say that last week's podcast was uh, 
Mission accomplished. The best one yet? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about that, but people certainly had a reaction to it, and most of it was hate. And Ooh. so what we're going to do is we're going to start off the podcast a little different. Usually we kind of bullcrap and tell Sally Star stories. but instead, Nonsense. Yeah, nonsense. Instead, we're going to go right to listener mail because we got a lot of it this week. <laughs> and you know what we said before. That we'll we read anything. We'll yes. read anything, and we're going to prove that. Uh, which we're going to start with some people who seem to like a certain band that we bashed endlessly <laughs> last week. I don't mean bash, but got completely wrong throughout the entire podcast what well, we were no. talking about. We may have gotten the guy wrong. Tom we, Ellis, yes. We bashed the band. Yeah, I know we did. And what band is that, Eric? Well, that would be Rush, the worst band ever. Just listen to Rush. And you know what? We got a couple emails from some fans of Rush. In fact, the first one is from a guy whose uh, moniker is Rush Fan. I think we got emails from every Rush fan. Yes. Was three? three of them. <laughs> and uh, what do you think, Rush Fan? You think it's positive to us, or you think he's a little ticked off? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's ticked off, sir. Okay, well, he uses some foul language in my. Two of my sons are right next to me, and they've never heard such words, but I'm going to read it. We were going to read uh, verbatim the things. And Rush Fan says, fuck you guys, Rush rules. And you know what's the best about it? How do you think he spells rules? Oh, tell me with a Z. R-U-L-E-Z. Rush rules with an exclamation point. Oh, yes. Oh, that's a Generation X right yes, there. that is. And the next one is from Drums Are Life. All right. Sounds like a Rush fan. And he says, the only people who hate Rush are those with no ear for music or musical talent whatsoever. Well, I have to agree with them there because I have none. And then follows it by, by the way, love the podcast. <laughs> well, thank so you, sir. somewhat positive, but yes, we, we have no ear for music or musical talent, I guess. And then well, the no, he, he, is dead, he is dead correct there with me. I have none. none? I am terrible at anything musical. I, I told you before that my main problem with Rush is their uh, time changes always screw yeah. me up. So that's that was my deal. But the last one from uh, the Rush section of the mail is from Tommy, who says, I'm with you guys. Rush sucks, and their concerts are huge sausage fests. Really? Wow. That's, that's what I, thought exact, I actually thought it was going to be all hate, man. No, He's a no, who fan, Tommy. Yeah, it's actually uh, two Rush fans and one hater. Oh, okay. But Tommy's right in with us, so good job, Tommy. And yeah. then, you know, we're we're already we're just starting off with the mail, so we're gonna go uh, with our normal, regular mail that's non-rush related. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's still hate, <coughs> and it starts off with who, Eric? Oh, our old friend John. John, and John poses a question: <laughs> Why are you guys like a vacuum cleaner? Why is that, Jim? Because you're a couple of assholes. <laughs> And then he put, get it? You suck. <laughs> oh, I get it, baby. Yep. I get it. <laughs> that's that's John for you. Uh, John is our favorite, my I favorite think, listener. Do you think he listens to the whole podcast or he just listens? Now, it'll be good if he doesn't. If he just listens to the mail to hear himself, now that we've saved him some trouble, he can now tune out. And get uh, his get his next masterpiece ready for next week. The funniest thing is, John actually sounds like somebody I hang out with. Like this is like my, the whole group dynamic of all my friends. Maybe it is. Uh, maybe I don't know any Johns though. Well, I'd say you think he, you know, 
somebody could send an email and change the name. No, my, my friends would want me to know. Yeah. <laughs> I just took a, a sip of drink there. Was that Gridlock? It was. I wasn't even going to mention it because you're uh, all annoyed with me, but it is Gridlock. Gross. It tastes like battery acid. Yes, it does. That's a good uh, advertisement. <laughs> uh, th now we have more mail. The next one's from I Love Trombones. <laughs> And he's, I love he's, these names. I love trombones is going to start a trend in the rest of these mail, the yeah. rest of the mails that uh, you'll see. Where's the comic book talk? I love trombone says, and then finishes with very deceiving. Well, yes, we do claim that we are a comic book podcast, but as I said from the intro, we talk a lot of nonsense getting yeah, there. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and uh, it's going to continue here with the next mail, which is from Moody Fish. Which All right. I'm guessing that's a weird misspelled reverse of fish money. I, I don't know. Or it's just Maybe it's moody just a moody fish. Yeah. Well, Moody Fish says, I listen to what. I, wait. I listen to what must have been the old whores no one cares about podcast. Great job. <laughs> and I'm reading that great job as being sarcastic. I don't know. Maybe he liked it. Maybe he likes podcasts about old whores. I would call that podcast Cocoon the Podcast. <laughs> How about you? Or We're Golden to... Girls, the podcast, maybe? Oh, I have no idea. You're putting me on a spy here. Maud, I can't be clever. Maud, Maud yes. Maud. Mama's Family, the podcast? Hey, don't talk about Mama like that. Hey, I'll talk about Mama. And you know what? Here's the next guy. My favorite name of the week. Admiral Mudbutt. <laughs> and Admiral Mudbutt says, more comics, less crap. Yep, yep. It's funny because he goes with butt and crap. So he doesn't. That guy doesn't like Carson. No, he's he's a straight edge right there. And um, the next one is brains with a bunch of s's. Brains. Exactly. That's how you you read it. And this guy has it directed to you. Says, can Eric tell us the top five things we don't care about? <laughs> I thought and, I did. And all I, the time. I said to you before the podcast. Actually, you have, and that was last week's or this. No, this week's, week's. Yeah. This week's top five list. Uh, on the site, which was top five things you don't like about the Imagine X Hall of Doom. Look, look, I'm a grown-ass man who loves himself some toddler toys, and the Imagine X uh, DC Super Friends line is awesome, and they've just recently announced it's going to be released, or it might actually be released now, um, the Hall of Doom playset. And I wanted this since I was a kid uh, playing with Super Friends, and I never got it, never came out, yeah. and now it's finally here. Yeah, oh my, the list was bad enough. Now we're getting a rundown. Freaking play-by-play. Play. It, 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 it's just not the place that I wanted. God damn it, Jim. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. What was your number one reason why you don't like the Hall of Doom? Uh, something has to be that it's not in a proper... Uh, you can't put all the figures in it. That's yes. Right. I, I didn't I want, read the list. I, I, want all, I want all 13 members to be able to go in there once they put out all the characters. I mean, you can only fit about five. No, I was looking around... Uh, for news, and I went to a couple other sites, and I was looking at the things, and a couple places have lists like ours, right, or like yours, and uh, like they have some like uh, top five characters that were introduced not in the comics, or right. top five Batman villains, and I know you always claim, oh, that's a generic list. That's it. You know what that list has? People <laughs> <Views>? reading it. <laughs> I know that you care about. Yeah, what happened to that last Imagine X? Uh, Oh, that, that, that fell short as well. But it, this I, one I, is, I this love me some toys. Set, this one is setting the low record. 
<laughs> You're setting the bar very low with this list. So well, eventually, when everybody gets on the Imagine X trolley, they'll be looking around for well, stuff. Again, we always forget to do this, but before we even go any further, if you want to read Eric's crazy list and join the seven people who've read it so far, oh god! Actually, it's it's not that bad, but it's it's about a quarter of what you usually have for your list. I would say, but if you want to yeah, go, about, yeah. you can come to our site, which we, you know, we don't want to beg you, but if you, if you're like, uh, Admiral Mudbutt and, uh, Moody Fish, I don't know, all these people who want to see more comics, more reviews and more in-depth talk like that, come to the site where we review all the comics, except the ones I'm too lazy to do lately. Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, there's some like Infinity Man and GI zombie spectacular sensation <laughs> I always forget the name. Friggin' uh, uh, War Stories? Oh, yes, yes. So, what is it called? <laughs> we always forget. Uh, G.I. Zombie, it's G. called. G.I. Zombie, we go with. Yeah, stuff like that. Go to our site, and it's, uh, oh my goodness, Weird Science DC Comics blog dot dot blogspot.com. Or yeah. come to our Twitter, which is Weird Science DC, or go to this and that, or just as Eric always says, put Weird Science DC Comics into your Googles and your Yahoos and your Bings, and you'll find all it. your things out there. Yes, you'll find it. So when we're talking about some things on the site, you can go and check it out because uh, we're lazy, but we try to get some stuff up. But that's a sidetrack thing because we have one more mail, which is Iceman. 0486. Right, Iceman. Iceman. You think Iceman plays a lot of volleyball? I think he does. I bet I, he I'm does. telling you, I want to see the cast of Top Gun reenact that volleyball scene now. Now. I want to see big old no. fat gun Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer might still be in the hospital. Oh, is he, he? Was, he was having problems. So you want Val Kilmer, <laughs> big fat Val Kilmer, out of the hospital. You want him to try to play volleyball. Yes, I do, sir. And I want to watch what, this something fierce. You know what, what we're doing right now? <laughs> we're talking nonsense. about nonsense. <laughs> but Iceman0486 says, love you guys. More stories, less comic. So really? One guy. Yes, Iceman wants that. Iceman wants more stories. Well, good thing, because I've got some right now, brother. I don't know if that's a story, what you're planning on telling. Well, it's, it's not more... exactly a story. It's more of something I was really interested in earlier today. Uh, on Netflix, they have a movie out there called Parallels. And it kind of works in with comic books because it's a lot like the DC multiverse. Uh, that, that is a stretch. No, it's not. It's about these four people that end up going from different Earths trying to find their father. Mm-hmm. See, the dog even got pissed off at this dog. <laughs> dog took off. Bella took off, said, I don't want to hear this garbage. I'm telling you, Jim, you watch this movie, you're going to like it. I might watch it tomorrow. I'm saying, you never watched Sliders in the 90s, right? I did somewhat. Uh, Sliders was like the, the I love that show so much in the '90s, and this is just like that, except it's a you know 90-minute movie that you actually did some uh, background oh, yeah, on. I did research because you told me about this, and I thought, what the hell is he talking about? And I looked it up, couldn't find anything about it, and then finally found out that it was a Fox pilot that they decided to turn into a movie. To me, it's that the show <laughs> wasn't going to get picked up. They they know they have to recoup their bit of losses or whatever so they tried to turn it into a movie and sold it to netflix so that's the thing fox said we already did the show in the 90s it was called sliders and then they're like some moron will freaking watch it and then talk about it on their podcast 
It, it will, I'm telling you, except for the ending, because the ending actually ends like a pilot cliffhanger would. Mm-hmm. The movie was really good and really solid. I liked it a lot. So anybody who has Netflix, go check this flick out because it's a lot of fun, but the ending will piss you off because you just want more. But it's like, it's I'm like thinking all of, the ladies you were with. Oh, yeah, every single one. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Hold on, I'll, I'll go get, I'll bring Jess in here. She'll tell you. Yes, I'm sure she would. <laughs> I'll bring it up. By far, Sliders is the best thing that Jerry O'Connor's ever done, including Rebecca Romaine. Did you see her in the uh, Librarians lately? No. That new show, Librarians? I, Look, I she's looking see. old. You know she's what's weird old, about that, me is that I love the Librarians movies. Yeah. Uh, the TV movies, and then when the series came out, I was so excited, never watched it. Well, Lindy Boos in it, who is like one of my all-time biggest crushes of all time. I have a thing for redheads with big foreheads. Yeah, that's your thing. Apparently. Um, yeah. I don't know what I have to say about that. You Red, gotta check out Redheads with big foreheads. Uh, I, I really dig it, man. I don't know what it is. Uh, I might check it out. And then I'll talk about it next week, and then we'll drive the other three people who are listening out. And then me and you could just instead of a podcast, I'll just call you. All right. We'll talk to each other on the phone, which I hate doing. So do I. Which is weird why we, when we do this, we do it over Skype, which is basically us talking on the phone, which I hate. I can't stand it. Uh, in fact, I, we don't even have a landline. Well, we do, but we don't have a phone hooked up to it here. And when I get home, I pretty much turn my phone off. Not that anybody calls me anyway. I was going to say, you don't have any friends, brother. No, I have none. None. Uh, I talk some more stories here. What do we got for news tonight? Uh, you want to go with news, huh? Well, uh, what else? You got something else, brother? No. All right, let's get the Except news now. Except that it snowed this week. Yeah, I hate snow. It was a pain in the ass. Tonight, uh, we're actually uh, recording. I almost said filming this. We're recording <laughs> this on... Uh, what, you're not filming this? I'm no, filming no, this. No, no, no. No, I was going to say that we are recording it on the 7th uh, of March, Saturday, yes. and tonight is Daylight Savings Time, so we uh, leap ahead. All right, it's about time we leap ahead. Spring ahead. I'm saying I hate summer because I hate sweating, but I'm, t- I'm done with winter. Done. Yeah, yeah, I am too. At first, winter, this winter here in the East Coast, it was okay. Yeah. And then, it, then it got pretty bad. But you know who wore shorts the whole winter? This guy. I can't see you, man. Are you pointing to somebody? I, you? I see you every day. <laughs> Except this week. And last week. And last week. I haven't seen you. I've seen you two days in freaking two weeks. Yeah, you know how I do. We're waiting for you at work when you, when you want to come back. All right. But we're going to get to news. I, I actually, I was thinking I did have a story, but now I, I can't remember it. I don't feel good. Yeah, I can hear it. I may or may not have uh, upchucked before the podcast, but... I'm saying the other week I had the flu. I don't know if you caught it or what, because, like, Jess isn't feeling well this week. Yeah, yeah, I don't don't feel good today. I I was okay during the week, but for some reason today, I I don't feel good. But you know who else doesn't feel good? Who's that, brother? Fish Mooney. Oh. Because Jada Pinkett Smith spoiled that Fish Mooney won't be back for season two of Gotham. And you know where she spoiled that? Where's that? The Kelly and Michael show. I don't even know. Is that a show? Yeah, it is. That's, uh, you know Kelly and Regis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Michael Strahan, ex-giant. Oh, yeah. He took over. And That's right. A lot of people, it's funny because you say like Regis and Kathy Lee, even yeah. people know, but nobody seems to have caught on with uh, Kelly and Michael, though I'm sure the show is just as popular. My wife loves it. 
I get. I have I haven't watched a date like a morning talk show since like yeah. I was a young kid, like a teenager. Well, yeah. When we're at work, though, I occasionally I'll get texts from Tanya telling me who's on Regis and Michael, or <laughs> I come home and she tells me how Michael was all hilarious with his big gap in his teeth <laughs> that you could drive a truck through. But on the show, they asked her about her coming back for season two, and she basically just shook her head and said it isn't happening. So it wasn't. It wasn't like a full out like, hey, Fish Mooney's going to die or whatnot, though. I haven't watched the show, but I've heard recently she's run into a lot of trouble, including maybe missing an eye. I saw something recently. I haven't watched the show since like episode five, I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I don't know. I love Arrow and Flash and I love Constantine, but Gotham I cannot get into. Yeah, I, I watched the first couple episodes and I have problems watching a show. Uh, over and over anyway and keeping up with it but uh, it didn't really hit me either I like Flash out of all of those Flash is definitely my favorite of, of all the ones you mentioned or all the DC shows right now though we'll be talking a little bit later uh, I am looking forward to Supergirl but we'll get to that later because there's more Gotham news and that news is that Chris Chalk has been uh, signed to play Lucius Fox on isn't Gotham he in, isn't he in Rush? No, no. <laughs> I think he's in Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, he's right. the uh, tambourine player. Dead Eye Dick. He also yes, Dead Eye Dick. Also, he was in HBO's The Newsroom, which is a show I'd never heard of. No, and I, I don't know. A, I'm saying I feel like I watch a lot of television, but I don't know half of these shows. Yeah, you do watch a lot of television, but the, the problem with you is you're pretty set in your ways of what you watch. That's and true. I would say also the way you watch stuff is very. Uh, Fixed by the time you went years without any sort of TV. Yeah, I'm telling you, but time in my whole twenties, I don't think I watched television yeah, really. Yeah. So you, but you watched media. You just yeah, didn't I, have yeah, cable. Yeah, but I don't know. When you tell me about things, you first off you watch crazy stuff, but you also tend to watch like stuff that's old. Yeah, and you true. marathon a lot of stuff. You wouldn't watch HBO's The Newsroom. I don't think I would, no. Just no. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to watch Veep either, but I hear it's hilarious. Now, I'll tell you, in this little news thing, they made it seem like the newsroom's a big thing. So maybe there's some, maybe it's popular. They said the West Wing was a big thing, too. I've never watched that either. They also said that Huey Lewis in the news was big and hey. Perfect Strangers, but we know different, don't we? No, I love Huey Lewis in the news. I'm telling you, Huey Lewis in the news back in the day when that sports album came out, it it sold probably 7 trillion (laughs) copies of that album. And I'm telling you, Huey Lewis's mom may have some money. She couldn't have bought every one of those. That's the thing, though. Everybody's in the closet about their Huey Lewis album. Now I realize. Back in the day, it was always a big joke. Like, oh, you know, that it was like a government conspiracy to get Huey Lewis in the news up in the thing. But now I realize it was just a lot of people like the music and were afraid to ask and then pretended they were Rush fans. See, that's how I feel about Genesis as well. Uh, Genesis was huge, but I, I never huge. I never met like a, like a diehard Genesis fan. I told you, at my senior year in uh, high school, 1987, I believe it would have to have been the Invisible Touch Tour. <laughs> and I am telling you, in my school, I had to have been the only one who didn't go to that concert when they came to the Spectrum in Philadelphia <laughs> right. back then. 
I I didn't go. Everybody else did, and it was weird because like the next day, or I, I would guess it was like the concert might have been on the weekend. <laughs> so everybody and had like concert. Oh my god! I was the only <laughs> one, and I would love to say that I had like my Run DMC uh, shirt on, but that shirt I got in trouble for before because I had the Run DMC Raising Hell concert oh. T-shirt, and I was told to take it off, and I had to wear this gym shirt that day. Then and man, I did not wash my gym shirt. <laughs> and I was just walking around with a sh- the shittiest smelling shirt the whole day. And uh, I, but yeah, no Genesis for me. I I never liked them. Oh, that's like the time at the mall when I was younger in high school. I had a twisted shirt on that talked about like uh, fucking bitches and smoking yeah, trees or whatever. Little, and the security came up to me, made me take the shirt off. Which is funny because I didn't have security when I went to school. It was just I no, it's the mall. This yeah, is the oh, mall. Oh, I thought you meant at school. No, no, we the didn't. The mall security. told you to take it off. Yeah, the mall did. That's ridiculous. You're paying Cause money. Because I, I was offending people, apparently. Somebody complained. Mm-hmm. Too bad. So there, you there can't. I am, fat gutted Eric, walking yeah. around the mall. Yeah, really. Well, that was the my fear when they told me I had to take the shirt off. I thought I wouldn't be able to find a shirt, and somehow, in my crazy mind, I thought they'd make me go to school the rest of the day without a shirt on. <laughs> yeah, I was very, I was very upset about that. But raising health, that was the problem. Run huh? DMC's Raising Hell shirt. It's a pretty cool shirt, though. But we're going to go to the next bit of news, which is a thing that you put on our site was that, uh, and I always butcher her name, Melissa Benoist. No, I think I think it's Benoist, but it Benoist might be one of, Benoist. I think it's Benoist, but I think it might be like a fancier type. You know, has like a, a ben, uh, Benoist. I, I, you said it already, and I okay. I'm gonna go with Benoist because I can't say the name, and I'm gonna. So I'm not sure of it exactly. How about Benoist? <laughs> That's Melissa Benoist, but uh, she's obviously Supergirl, and they yes. released a picture. Did she did she actually release it herself? Because I saw the Twitter. I don't believe she did. It. But I saw the Twitter was pretty big of her with it and saying, I'm so proud to wear the uh, L coat of arms. And but, That's actually cool she said that. Yeah, she did. But again, it, it, to me, it's, you know, if she would have been somebody else, she wouldn't be talking Supergirl. But that's fine. She's into it. Uh, what would you think of the picture of the suit? I really liked it. It had like this almost like a, a retro 40s feel to me because of the darker colors. Like everybody's going with the darker colors now, like with like Man of Steel and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But this actually had like almost like a golden age feel to it. If they had like um, like something in Watchmen, the movie, yeah. if they would have done like the earlier like characters. Yeah. It had that feel to it. I no, really like... dug it. Oh. I, What's that? I really dug it. I'm saying even the, uh, the, the shield on the front looked like a retro kind of yeah. S shield, you know? I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, I know that um, somebody, I think it was, who was it on the site, commented. Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, commented that, well, you know, what's DC, what's their problem with um, bright colors? Why are they so against bright colors? Because we did that. <laughs> well, and it was. It was Chisanga Mubemba. All right. Ask that. So, what does DC have against bright colors? Love the outfit. Just glad they didn't give her the new fifty-two one. Are you with me that with any of the super outfits that I there's changes and differences? I guess I must be too dumb to notice. What do you mean? Like the new fifty-two Supergirl, and I mean the colors. Oh yeah, it's completely different. Brighter or whatever, but well, uh, you even said though in the last the Superman, uh, the Jeff Johns John Romita Superman when they changed up his costume the new costume you did yeah. know it was different i didn't even notice it all i'm telling you besides like you said it is a classic looking deal 
Uh, besides that, though, it's Supergirl. Though, I got called out big time on Tumblr. For what? Well, somebody sent a note to us. I, I put the story up on Tumblr that you wrote about it. And somebody wrote, that'd be so cool if, if the, um, the show was set in the 40s. I know it won't be, but that would be great. Do you have any idea when it's set? So I wrote back to them. It would be cool to have something set in the 40s, but sadly it's the present day, which I'm right. assuming. I, uh, yeah, well, I don't see any reason why not. Some guy then went on a tirade somewhat of, uh, Supergirl wasn't around in the 40s. She is a Silver Age uh, character, and I'm an idiot for even suggesting. And if I want that, go see Agent Carter and shut my mouth, basically is what I was told. All I was doing was responding. So much hate. Hate for hate's sake. What? What? <laughs> Did you hear me? Did you hear anything yeah, I just yeah. said? No, I didn't hear any of that. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I said somebody hates me on Tumblr. That's that all I said. Yeah. You didn't hear any of that. What I? No, I, I cut out there for a little bit. Oh, you son of a bitch. I said that there was a guy on Tumblr who got mad because... No, I, I, I got all that. I'm oh. saying uh, you, you went into it. I, I got the gist of it. I'm gonna. Is there an instant edit button I can hit right now? <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right. Well, there you go. And I have a little thing that I was gonna do, where Stephen Amell actually came out. Now, how would you describe Stephen Amell uh, in general? Nice guy. I would think so. He always comes off nice to me. Like whenever I he, like look at him until like hear what he has to say. Yeah, it's not like I know him well, personally. He he has a lot to say. I mean, he's like now the um, the spokesman for any DC media, I think. Is how like, I think he's going to be like Adam Wested, you know, where he's going to be like, you know, everybody's going to associate him with this Arrow costume afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he came out with a little thing where he wanted to tell the story about when he first got the Arrow costume. And why he wanted to say it is he basically wanted to tell uh, Melissa Benoit. Benoit? <laughs> Benoit? I don't know. Melissa Benoit might have been murdered. Yeah, she might have been. Oh, that's awful. (laughs) Melissa Benoist. Oh, my God. I got to learn how to say these things. Well, he wanted to tell her how the first impression of a costume is very important and and it also can go wrong. And he he told a little story, and I'm going to relate this story to you if you don't mind. And I'm going to cue up some dramatic music for it. Because he said... When Arrow began filming late winter 2012, the very first thing I did after being cast was head for a costume fitting. There was a concept art, but the producers had smartly left the basics open to interpretation based on who they put in the role. Several fittings and one defiant, I'm not wearing army boots, it forces me to run like a business person trying to catch a bus rant later. We were ready for the exact moment that the Supergirl peeps went through today, the unveiling. And why is this important? Because the year prior, a superhero costume picture had leaked, and there was a perception, you can debate how accurate it was, that this leak had gotten the production off on the wrong foot. As a result, any time I was in the suit, I had to wear an overcoat and I swear to God a fedora for fear that paparazzi were lurking about trying to steal our thunder. Well, the photos were taken and the choice was made. Ironically, the photo we ended up using, me with my head down in profile, was a shot our director David Nutter insisted on at the last minute just from watching me shift into the stance to stay comfortable. The photos examined and approved, given a little panache from the DC team and set for release. I remember everyone being really happy with it, wanting to show it off to people working on the pilot. 
which led to one of our producers showing it to Katie Cassidy. She immediately pointed out a glaring problem. The angle of the photo and the placement of my bow against it appear as though I was made to have a little too excited about wearing the arrow suit. She was right. It definitely looked like I had an erection. <laughs> Luckily for us, changes were made and the photo erupted online. Sorry. With a fantastic approval rating, we were well on our way. They really liked my and bow. And that's the story of my first photos and the costume are important and how we almost became the show about the hooded vigilante with a boner. <laughs> thank you, Stephen. Yes, thank you very much. Now, did he tell Melissa Benoist this? This is what he was telling her. I'm he, saying, but does it like, is it weird that he goes up to another actor and just like, you know what? I remember my first time I had a boner. I'm telling you. I are you that, are you getting wet right now? I think what is, <coughs> he just likes to talk about stuff. And obviously he was talking about the uh, Wonder Woman costume. Oh, yes, uh, yes. Earlier, which is why I said is kind of why i think they went really uh classic with the supergirl it's funny you bring up the wonder woman though i I completely blocked that out of my head yeah yeah that was that was a crazy costume i like the costume i bet you did it looked like one of those crazy like uh halloween costumes for adults yeah yeah. they have those books like sexy Wonder. this is the slutty section come over here (laughs) that's what it was slutty wonder woman Uh, If you can have a slutty Freddy and a slutty Jason, you have a slutty Wonder Woman. Yes, yes. Uh, The next bit of news is one of those where uh, you can kind of wonder if it's news or not, but it is. And Jared Leto cut his hair. Yeah, that's not news to me. I saw the pictures, like, all black and white and dramatic. I'm like, oh, no, all all the fans. No, you didn't see the one where he's in his car. He has some crazy outfit on. It's in color. No, no, I didn't see that one. Yeah, I I bet you saw – you probably saw – the directors uh yeah, that is what, yeah that's what yeah. i did say yeah now, jared leto actually posted some of his own photos on instagram with it slick back and it's bleached he's got a no i you know i did see those ones he's got know, a crazy outfit on you know what jared leto is he's crazy <laughs> so he, he'll he'll be great for the role i think because he's a nut he's a nut job but yeah he cut his uh fantastic hair which made him look like i don't know some guy who came in from the backwoods of freaking mississippi uh, but he cut that. Get it ready. Uh, David Ayers also tweeted the photo with the hashtag Suicide Squad. Everybody got all fired up and excited, I guess. I did. You think that the uh, tides turned a little on him being the Joker or people not really care that much about the Suicide Squad movie? Because what, I, do you, what do you mean? Because like, are you saying people are like against it or for no, it? Or? I just think that I think that after those initial announcements and stuff like that, it's kind of gone dead. Well, yeah, I don't know. We still have a while until the flick comes out. It's like when they put out that Batman picture for ba- uh, Batman uh, Beavers, like Batman v Superman, Dawn of t- Justice. Yeah. You're telling me if right now they they released a Batman versus Superman like photo of them fighting that wouldn't it, go... it'll be huge it, for a month and then yeah, people will forget again because it's going to be so long. I don't long. think the Suicide Squad is ever going to be huge. I think it's going to be a great flick. I I don't know if it's going to be. A, I, I hope it is because I really dig Suicide Squad. I think it could be fun. I don't see what Joker's going to do there, but that's just me. Flashbacks. Hopefully. Well, I, it's weird too. That in my mind, that's what it'll be. It'll be a part of uh, Harley's um, origin, origin story, story. and yeah. of all of them, they'll probably have a Harley origin story. The rest will probably be kind of. Uh, pushed aside a little i don't think the whole movie is going to be a bunch of uh su- or, uh origin stories back and i forth. hope not <laughs> but i think that harley will be the interesting one and that's the way to get joker into it 
but yet that's the big news is a guy who I believe is not going to be in the movie that much and he cut his hair. That's what I'm going for with my hair right now what he used to have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he had that crazy hair and then he'd wear a hat. Oh my goodness gracious. Mine is called laziness where I just don't want to get a cut. I do I don't actually, want to shave either. If I saw him walking down the street, I'd be the old man shaking my fist at him for no reason except that I don't <laughs> like his hair. You Damn, kids you with your, your long hair. You long-haired kids. I remember when I had a mullet. That was a real <laughs> haircut. I remember when I had a mullet too. It was oh, terrible. Oh, mine was beautiful. It was like perfection. Uh, the next, though, next story up is uh, non-comic but very geeky. I have a feeling that a certain man named Dan Stransky might talk about it. Most likely. Do you, do you mind that we don't find out what Dan's going to talk about and the, the stories overlap? Because I think it's kind of funny sometimes. I think it's kind of funny, too. I... Usually we don't like something, and then the next thing you know in the next segment, he's talking about oh, At least how much we have both sides. It. You know, we have both sides going on there. You know what's funny? I just thought of that. No Leonard Nimoy hate for me. That is weird. None at all. Nobody sent any mail about how I'm an asshole for hating Leonard Nimoy. Maybe you're right. Maybe nobody really cares about Leonard Nimoy Actually, anymore. I, I, I don't hate him. I just I I think when a guy's that old and he dies, it's not like we're like I said. What are you gonna get from him from now on? I don't know. I don't know why I'm starting this. I'm I'm begging for people to hate me. <laughs> Apparently, I don't really have to beg. It's pretty easy to get them too. But the next big piece of information also involves an old man, and I don't know what the hell he's thinking. And that's Harrison Ford. He crashed his plane this week. That's the thing. Like I read the story, and I was gonna, I was doing something when I like saw that little like the, you know, like news feed of it, and I didn't look into it. And I said something to Jess, and she went and looked up, and she's like, she said he was fine. He's in the hospital, but he's okay. And I, yeah, yeah. at the, that point, I did not look into it any further. Yeah. Well, I looked into it a bit. I heard about it and kind of laughed. <laughs> yeah. Again, because I'm awful. Um, but he was he was flying a vintage two seater fighter plane. Yes. <laughs> It was like a World War II fighter plane. It Do you think he was talking to Chewie while he was doing might, it? No, I think he he was looking for Jock. There's a big snake in the plane, Jock! Oh, that's just my pet snake, Reggie! I hate snakes, Jock! I hate them! <laughs> he, where's Jock? And where's those snakes? Uh, what happened is I guess he took off and then it had problems and, you know... Everybody's going on and on about how he's a hero because he brought it in on this uh, golf course, I believe, and avoided some residential areas. How about this? You're 72 years old. You don't fly a plane. I'm <laughs> telling you, I would have a problem if I saw Harrison Ford driving a car down the street. At 72, you better start taking your driver's license again. This he is guy, the pilot of the Millennium Falcon. He can uh, do whatever he damn well please. And, and, here, and I'll tell you, uh, his publicist released a statement. Said Harrison was flying a w, uh, World War II vintage plane today which stalled upon takeoff. He had no other choice but to make an emergency landing, which he did safely. He yeah. was banged up and is in the hospital receiving medical care. What are you drinking? I'm soda pop. That was the worst. The injuries sustained are not life-threatening, and he is expected to make a full recovery. Now, again, he's not flying any plane, or flying. He's not filming any movies right now, so that's not a big deal. Star Wars wrapped up months ago. The best thing about this story that I read was that it mentions at the end he has been involved in several plane crashes. <laughs> the guy, he, he gets in any plane. I could also see he's like trying to, in the middle of it, he's freaking delusional. He's trying to go into hyperspace. He's hitting the console. 
He's yelling, nice shot, kid. Don't get cocky. He's looking out the left side of the plane. He's talking about gremlins on the way. Oh, wing. my God. And then all of a sudden, he's like, as he's crashing, he's saying, that's no moon. He's <laughs> ready to hit. And or, or in the middle Should of it. Should we take the controls? Somehow he thinks he's in the tractor beam, and he's hiding in, like, a compartment yelling that he never thought he'd smuggle himself. Crash. <laughs> Dead. So was he up there alone then? Like, yeah, he I... was by himself. That's weird. You think that, like, it's a World War II plane. You think somebody will be going up there with him. It's a two-seater, I think, Jacques. <laughs> Jacques was not available, so he got in. i got to look this up, though. Now you mentioned Jacques. I want to find out if that dude's still alive, the uh, actor. I think that basically Harrison Ford is, he has no friends. Callista Flockhart is off doing her Supergirl pilot, and the guy decided just to take the plane up. I, I imagine he stumbled out of the house in a robe. Got in the plane and <laughs> just like, but, but not like belted up. Stuff. Uh, I don't know what he was yelling. What other quotes could he yell from movies? Uh, Get off uh, my plane. Wasn't that a he, he Air Force One? Here yes, we go. Air Force One. Yes, that's what it was. He was, he said, Get off my plane, and then somehow he crashed. That's it. That's what happened. But like I said, why is he flying? He's 72. Might even be 73. Guy looks like he's 105. Yeah, I actually watched. They had a, I think it was AMC had a uh, Indiana Jones marathon on yeah. on this week, and I watched it again. And as soon as Crystal Skull came on, you see the like the silhouette of him as he picks up the hat and puts it on, and you're all excited for that part. I remember seeing it in the theater. Yeah. And then the camera pans around, and we see him like, "Oh, you're an old man." Here we go now, really slow, nearly limping, cause he's old, 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 old. old. And my childhood is damaged. Yeah, yeah, I know. Do you think, like, at, at the very end, he tried to jump out on an inflatable raft? Hey, that shit works, all right? I love work. Temple of Doom. Finally, he realized it didn't work. And he I love that's... Temple of Doom. Yeah, I, I think, like I said, I think he had a couple, like, gashes in his head. There were some doctors up, you know, it, it's a shocker. There were some golfers there. They were doctors. So, I, don't I, don't, I don't know, but for that split second, though, before I looked, like Jess looked into it, I was worried because I had read earlier in the week that Leonard Nimoy was admitted to the hospital and then he died, which, you know, I didn't think anything on it, but when he was admitted to the hospital, you go to the hospital, you'll be okay. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, you know, Harrison Ford's in the hospital, no, okay, you're he's 230. fine. <laughs> There's not much they can do for you then. Yeah. This isn't Cocoon, buddy. But Harrison Ford is alive and well, and we yeah, thank whatever deity you want to believe in. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, I like Harrison Ford, so I don't want to see him die just yet. I mean, no, absolutely guy, not. The guy deserves to live to 130. Oh, yeah. That's next year. Uh, the next bit of news is a personal thing I put. This is not DC news. It's actually more Marvel news, but it kind of ties into something that we've talked about for months and months. Seems like year, maybe a year or so. Yeah, about that. But uh, way back, Justice League Beyond 2.0 was a digital-only book, digital first book that was paired up with Batman Beyond 2.0. And was one of my favorites. They came out every other Saturday. One, you know, they'd switch back and forth and come out, and they had some crossovers. But the uh, it's a fun one, universe. I loved I, it when, I, when and, Batman Beyond was I'm on. I'm telling you, of the books, that was like the, those two were the two books that really that and Adventures of Superman I loved, yeah. and Smallville. There yeah. was a bunch at that point. It was like to me that was like the golden age of the digital first <laughs> last year. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the main writer of that Justice League Beyond 2.0 was Christos Gage. And at one point, it was kind of a, a coup for me at one point because I was reading that and reviewing it, and I was only one of the few who were doing so. And the one uh, issue ended, 
and it really seemed like it was done, like it was canceled, but nobody had announced it. And like uh, DC is with these digital books, they don't give any info. Stuff gets canceled, stuff gets renewed, stuff comes back, whatever, without anybody knowing, it seems. I don't know what's going on in that uh, part of DC, but uh, it's a mess. But <laughs> when I thought that Christos Gage went, well, I thought that the book might be over, I, I tweeted Christos Gage and said, hey, what's going on? That seemed like a final issue. Is it over? And he wrote back, sadly, it is. That's the last one. Um, I am leaving to do something in TV that I cannot announce yet. So all this time, everything that was like, even I said to you before that I thought maybe it was Supergirl. I think I even tweeted him. Yeah. Something like, oh, you must be doing Supergirl. And he wrote back, no, well, I saw that this week it was announced that he is one of the writers. It's weird, too. It was announced about <laughs> he was a writer on Netflix, Daredevil. Yes. Marvel Daredevil uh, Netflix show, which is weird because I would have assumed that 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 was announced who was writing it up up until now. But I guess they announced all like a bunch of writers for these different Marvel uh, shows. But Christos Gage is the writer on Daredevil. On Netflix, I think so. I think around that early time when they're talking about Supergirl, when we thought he was going on that. They were also talking about that Teen Titans, which seems to be yeah, on, yeah. put on hold now. Yeah. I haven't heard anything new about that. Yeah, that's so. true too. Uh, I thought he might have been going to that as well. Yeah, but it is, uh, as far as I know, what he was probably talking about was Daredevil. Yeah, it makes and, sense. Uh, I mean, I personally, I like Christos Gage as a writer, and he seems like a pretty cool guy. He's always yeah. nice to us, talk to us. Anybody who talks to us has got to be nice. <laughs> because, yeah, who wants to do that? But, uh, yeah, congratulations to Christos Gage. I probably would bet that he's not listening to this, but... Uh, no, absolutely I'm not. I'm going to say it anyway. Congratulations, because he seems like a really good guy, and I have, really like him have, as a writer. Have you watched the Daredevil trailer on Netflix yet? I only saw the the teaser one. Okay, and, they, have, uh, they have a trailer they, that had now. Nothing. Oh, really? They, they have the trailer. Oh, I watched it earlier today. You know today. what? I did watch some of it today. Tanya had it on, and I guess at one point he's putting the mask on and going into a room and saying something like, you know, something heavy. Well, it seems like this is um like his first initial costume where he just puts something yeah, together, like kind of like a basic like. Spider-Man, yeah. how the first, like a... Uh, Maybe it wasn't amazing, but you know that first initial yeah, costume before they saying. made it. So it's only that. So it looks like scenes from the first episode, actually, but it looked really yeah, good. It actually reminded me of uh, when Tobey Maguire when yeah. he put that crazy ski mask on. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I think I did see it because he said something like, "I'm I don't want to apologize for the past, but I yeah, want yeah, forgiveness he's not asking for forgiveness. what I'm going to yeah. do." Yeah, he's that confession doing that. It's really, I think it looks pretty good. It comes out uh, next month. I, I'm oh, really excited it? to watch yeah, it. I, yeah, I'm I'm going to watch it. Once, you know, probably the first episode, and then when all the episodes come out on, like, I think it's April tenth. Yeah, I think they all come out at one time. Yeah, that's how they do it with uh, uh, Orange Is New Black. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't know. Like I said, <laughs> I have nothing. I don't want to sound like one of those guys who says like I don't watch TV or I don't watch that. I do watch TV, but it's always so willy nilly what I'm watching, and I'll watch uh, like. I'll get into a show and watch three episodes and then never watch it again. It has nothing to do with my enjoyment of it. It uh, just is the way I end up being. I watch hard. I yeah. watch so many things. I don't want to know what you do like that. <laughs> really. I know, well, hopefully you're not watching Daredevil hard. Kind of rubbing my chest as we yeah, talk about this a little bit. Just painting pictures and writing poetry on a, <laughs> in a field with some dude. I don't know what that means, but That's all right. Life. That is the life of Eric Shea. The last bit of news is here. 
and it, it's actually uh, sad news. And I don't like to bring things down, but it, it, I'm going to mention it anyway. But uh, comic book anchor Norman Lee uh, went missing in the Cayman Islands, I believe, from what I've seen from this uh, news thing. It seemed to be this morning. Um, yeah, I uh, I just saw it today. Pop Man put it on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's from this morning or actually yesterday, uh, yeah. but I did see it. Yeah, um, it doesn't look good. No. He was <laughs> snorkeling uh, with his wife uh, 250 yards from the shore, and they became separated. And the wife returned to land, and uh, Norman Lee didn't. And I guess from what I was reading, they said that uh, the, the undertow uh, it's really bad in that spot, or like the riptide, whatever you call that stuff. I don't right. Know. This is another. Re- I hate the ocean. I cannot <laughs> stand it. I, first off, I'm as white as white can be, so I tend to to. And uh, I'm white, and I'm too lazy to put on sunscreen. <laughs> Jesus and Christ! So it's a it's a bad combo. You know what I'm saying the last time I was at the beach, I got sun poisoning. Yeah, I saw that picture. You look like a lobster, but I hate this... the ocean. Just the the. Looking at the ocean, it's just—it's one of those things that strikes me as so big that then I'm petrified. I'm like frozen about it. I'm just thinking though, it's like he was separated from his wife. Yeah. Like, did she, did she see? Like, you know, look, like come up and look at a direction to see maybe where he went? Because, like, uh, when I was a firefighter, we went to the big like Wildwood like Fireman Weekend. Yeah, yeah. And we we all got drunk as hell. We decided oh, I'm sure. I, yeah. I'm telling you, that's probably the time to avoid the shore at the most a fireman weekend that or irish weekend yeah that's true. Yeah. but uh we're all having a good time doing stuff and then one time you know like the waves coming you jump like like underneath yeah of it. yeah yeah and i came up and i swear i was so far away from all of my friends yeah i'm drunk as hell and i'm swimming my way back and then i ju- go underneath to try to like you know like swim pretty fast underwater yeah. i come up i am back where i started far away and i finally get my make my way up i'm exhausted drunk as hell None of my friends even knew I was gone. <laughs> of I course not. Tell you, I could have drowned out there. Nobody would have known until it was like dinner time or some shit. Or I, like I didn't come back to the yeah. house. Well, again, just think of this: they were 250 yards from shore when yeah, they that's you're done. That, they were yeah. way out. Yeah. So if he got pulled out, the distance, you know, all of a sudden you're 500 yards from shore. That's crazy to me. I watched Jaws. I'm not yeah, going out that far. That's five football fields for you laymen out there. I, I've gone in the water probably like twice in the past yeah. 15 years. Yeah, I, I I don't like the the ocean. I don't like the shore. I don't like getting sand in my feet. <laughs> I get to my crack, and then my freaking ass hurts for weeks. And one time I was at the shore with my family, and legitimately my brother started getting sucked <laughs> up by a riptide. And unfortunately, I saved him. Oh, Jesus. Because I do not like my brother. But, yeah, I, I actually, at that point, we had, like, a little, like, eye-to-eye, like, you you gave me a solid, as, as he would say. And then as I, I would thought, say as well. Yeah, you would say, I hate that term. In fact, my nine-year-old today said, I did him a solid. And I almost Excellent. Did him, I almost did him a solid across the freaking face. Back Somebody's here. calling Boom. child services There's a solid. Right now. Boom. But, yeah, uh, my brother almost went out. And I, I'm telling you, from the get-go, like, if I'm on a boat, I immediately just start thinking, if I fell off the boat right now, there's no, I'm done. And I just, I hate it. I don't like <laughs> the ocean. And that's, that's all the news. And that's my, uh, the- not theory, that's my hate of the ocean. 
You got to understand too, listeners. Um, Jim went. Jim's mom went and took him to see Jaws when they were like vacationing oh, at the yeah. beach oh, in '75. Sure. Yeah, we went to. That was my mom's big idea. First off, Jaws R-rated movie, right? I don't know at that time, it honestly. Have been. I don't think it was. I think it's still PG. No, my mom decided when we were at we were at the New Jersey Shore. And she thought that it'd be great to, to spend an afternoon at the movies, and we went and saw Jaws. And she was pissed the rest of the time because this was at a time like at, then I was like six. Yeah. And my brother was three or four. That's the worst. I don't even know how old my brother is, but um, I remember he was just he couldn't take that movie i think he like turned around in his seat and tried to go to sleep i was petrified and then my mom was pissed the rest of the vacation which lasted like another week or so because we used to go for like two weeks right and i wouldn't go in the i wouldn't go in the water and she was <laughs> so angry with me then it gets worse i went we went home and i had an uncle who had a pool i like to call and, him jerk off yeah yeah it's my <laughs> uncle sylvester and uh, he decided that it'd be cool because, I mean, I'm telling you, Shark Mania hit. Yeah. Jaws was huge. So he decided to have a great white shark painted on the bottom of his pool. <laughs> and I don't care how ridiculous that sounds. It scared the crap out of me. And oh, I'm telling you. Of course it did. This coming from the guy who believed that flushing the toilet was knocking on yeah, Hell's yeah, door. it was Hell's doorbell. But the, I'm telling you, it wasn't just me because I had friends come with us to go swim. And nobody would. We bet each other. Who could swim down and touch the mouth right. of the Great White? Nobody would. It no, was that I'm scary. Sorry. If that was me, I wouldn't have done it either. And then we'd kind of oh, it was, it was, Jaws, Jaws ruined me as a kid. Yeah, well, this I, I just I wonder. It was it was pretty well done, but I who is painting a shark on the bottom of their pool? The summer of actually it was probably the next summer. Seventy six. Yeah, it was probably the summer after. But yeah, we loved going to that pool, and man, I stopped <laughs> loving going to that pool. It's the worst. That's like my lifelong fear of spiders, which I attribute to uh, my father, like, you know, packing up the family station wagon, taking me and my brothers and sister out to see Jungle Book when it was released to the theaters. Yeah. And it was uh, the Bucks County Drive-In. And I'm all excited because I love the Jungle Book. The, yeah. movie, the movie begins and my father gets out of the car. Okay. And he, op he opens the door and he pulls me out of the car. And then we walk over to the next screen Underneath a tree at night, because you have to watch, you know, it's nighttime for a drive-in. Yeah. And it was the same night that Arachnophobia was premiering. Nice. So there I am, a little boy, watching Arachnophobia in the dark underneath of a tree. Ruined me the rest of my life. I can't deal with spiders. The idea, like, think of spiders even makes my skin crawl. So was anybody else back in the car? Yeah. My stepmother, my okay. two brothers, and my sister. They got to watch Jungle Book. See, me and... your dad treated you like my mom did with me. That exactly. made me watch the horror movies only oh, because yeah. she didn't want to watch them by herself. Yep. My dad did the same thing. Like, he watched, like he loved horror flicks, and he would always make me watch them with him. Yeah. 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 Great. And <laughs> you always say, it's like, you say to me, like, oh, when I say, oh, my kids have watched that. Oh, my dad, yeah. But yet, it did affect you. Arachnophobia. Only thing, though. Yeah. But then again, like we said, I've talked to you about this, but like a, um, what's the movie with um, David Arquette? Ready to Rumble? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, Eight-Legged Freaks. Eight-Legged Freaks. Like, that doesn't scare you because they're so ridiculous. Exactly. Giant spiders are ridiculous. I'm not going to be scared of them. But That's these right. things, little things that could be sitting in the back of my chair right now, and I don't know, I put my head back, yeah. all of a sudden it's in my hair, weirds me the hell out. Yeah. I can't deal with that. Tanya gets upset because she thinks that somehow they're going to be on the ceiling and they're going to spin the web and, like, 
rappel down like a, it happens. like Tom Cruise and go in her mouth. I'll tell you, like uh, years ago when I was driving, I had it happen to the roof of my car where it came right in front of my face. I almost got into a car accident right there. Yeah. Do you ever um, hear the story about the you know person who had the, the big cyst on their face? Oh, yeah. Everybody's heard this urban legend. Oh, yeah. That used to make me laugh. <laughs> that story and that there was always a story that a girl did uh, unmentionable things with a hot dog and then had to go to the hospital. Oh, yeah. That's just a middle school story. My theory used about. to be that every, every class had that story. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's one thing I want to do. Like, if I wasn't terrified of hanging around schools because of how everybody acts now. Hanging around schools, you'd get arrested. That's what I'm saying, though. Oh, I thought you meant how people act like you didn't like how these young whippersnappers, you know, talk their slang. No, that's that's the thing. I don't even know if they're allowed to hang around schools anymore. I I know. It's not even that like that, though. I think you were allowed then. (laughs) It's it's a big deal now, is all I'm saying. You have a heavy beard going and a, a, a bandana. A headband, not a bandana. Headband. Yeah, I look like a homeless man. Agreed. So yeah. All I'm saying is, I would like to find out what kids like those these urban legends that they still have. And they still, but I think even if I got to talk to kids like that, even because I hate them, yeah. Um, I don't think they would tell me. I think they would be. They don't think it's a big deal. You would have to have like a relative who has, like, say, you had a nephew or something. Oh, you know what? I have I mean, a sister and a brother yeah. who are in high school. Yeah, you know what else? I have four kids that are ranging from almost there in middle school down to elementary school, and I could ask so them. But I understand now. We're idiots, but no, I just yeah. Don't we have a lot of kids around. I don't think they'd be honest. Yeah, I know that um, my youngest sons they when they still have recess. Yeah, and they go out to play, and they'll come up, come home to me, and go, "Yeah, we we played this game I made up, Foursquare." <laughs> you realize once you have kids that the, everybody does the same thing, but they always think you always think you're the ones who came up with something, or you hear like crazy joke or like a, a school. Oh, we just played this game. Yard. Kill the kill the man with the ball. Yeah, yeah, we we just we just played this great game, hate crime. <laughs> like. Oh, those were the days. Oh, yes. (laughs) But that's the news. And uh, uh, guess what's coming up now? What do we got now, brother man? We got Dan Stransky's Geek News. Well, all right. Hopefully he's okay from being in the hospital a long time ago. uh, That was a long time ago. And now, I don't know, he he messaged me today that coming up he's going to Mexico. Well, good for him. The hell's he going to Mexico? I don't know to get beheaded. I don't know. I do any do people still go to Mexico? Every time I hear about Mexico in the news, it's guys uh, it's, in tour buses getting pulled over and beheaded. I'm saying is that if somebody on spring break goes missing and now they're being you know ransomed off. Yeah, is that always Mexico? I don't know. That seems like that's Wildwood. <laughs> Wildwood. <laughs> Doesn't that happen in Wildwood beheadings? I don't remember. I was it drunk was the entire time. Freaking Fireman's Week. Was it a week or a weekend? It was a weekend. Okay, I was going to say. You know, when I went to school, uh, again, I shouldn't even say this because I'll get even more and more hate. I think that we we did, and I've mentioned this before, that we wanted this podcast to have people realize how awful we are, and I think we are succeeding. Oh, my, yes. But, man, when I I grew up, I'm I'm talking like the beginning of high school, like 10th grade. Right. Where I knew a couple guys who were uh, volunteer firemen. And I just, you know, they weren't the most popular guys. And okay. what they would do, uh, back in the day, I, I would love to think that they had beepers back then. But I don't even know what they had. I don't even know if they had pagers then. 
but somehow they'd get word that there was a fire call at say one thirty in the afternoon. Right. And this one guy, this guy Terry, he he was like, it 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 could have been in a sitcom where this thing would go. Nobody liked this guy. I was nice to him because I felt bad for him. But he would stand up and announce like, okay, everyone. It's okay. <laughs> I am now leaving for a call at 23rd and Vine. I will return. And then he'd go, and everybody would just laugh at him, and he'd go. But uh, I believe he was an EMT then, the last I saw him. Man, right. the guy, guy ate like seven people. He looked like he weighed like 600 pounds. Good old Terry. But yeah, that I guess maybe it was just him, but it seemed like to me like it was all these guys. The only reason they did it was to get out of school. Right. And it always seemed like, to me, it would be involved when a test would come around. Next thing, there's a call. <laughs> but the one time, the funniest time was um, when I was in high school, and there was a call that a place, the Hobbit Hole, uh, uh, yes. caught on fire, and that was the head shop in, <laughs> in our town. And not only then, there was like, okay, nobody worry. I'm heading to the Hobbit Hole. It's on fire. Everybody from the tech school off they went they went running either to i don't know to get their last supply or whatnot but it was a sad day in school look it i'm saying it might have been different for you but in uh, high school for me head shops were very important things i was a good person hobbit hole that was next to my old apartment above adult world right yep yeah and uh here's you know again to prove how much of a dummy i was i was in the dungeon of the dragons and the lord of the rings and I went in the Hobbit Hole <laughs> thinking that it was like a Middle Earth type store. And Why maybe wouldn't they, you? I, I thought maybe they sold like role-playing games and books and things. They did not. They sold uh, pipes and bongs for tobacco use only. Yes, water pipes. Said. Yeah, water pipes. Yeah, that's what they're using it for. Yeah. Here we go. What what happens when we're going to transition into something? That's what I was going to I was going to talk to you about this because uh, uh, Ryan Clark was all upset last week about like uh, Sally Star. Dan's going to be pissed off about head shops yeah, and no, firefighters. About head shops and water freaking. No, no, it started out with your hate for firefighters. <laughs> yeah, hate for firefighters and head shops. All right, so let's get to Dan Stransky's yeah. news. Hey, here you go, Dan. Hey guys, this is Jim. Uh, unfortunately, Dan couldn't do the news segment as Geek News this week. And, you know, we don't plan things out ahead of time and things like that. So what we do is we record this stuff before and then I get the news from And unfortunately, he had something come up and couldn't do it. So you get me this week. But luckily for you, I'm not going to say that much because I really didn't research this. I just want to not have a big empty space. But... For my geek news, I will only do one thing, and I'll point out that if you guys haven't been reading any of the digital titles that DC has, their digital first titles, I would like to give you the suggestion to jump in and read the Injustice title. Right now, it's at the end of year three, uh, and it was written by Tom Taylor for a while, but it's been taken over by Brian Bucciolato, and it's really, really good. Uh, he is hitting his stride now. There's only two more issues left. This last issue was issue 23. And if you haven't played the game or read the comic, I suggest you just go right back to the beginning, year one, that was done by Tom Taylor, Catch Up, because it is really worth it. It's a really a great book. And the other book I wanted to point out was the new digital first title that DC kind of snuck out, which is Batman Arkham Knight. 
which is the prequel comic for the upcoming Rocksteady game that I believe comes out in June. It's been delayed uh, at least one time, but I think it comes out in June. And what that book is, it's, it's like I said, it's a prequel. If you played any of the Rocksteady games, it takes place right after Arkham City and then leads into Arkham Knight coming out, and it's really, really good. Uh, the art is done by a Victor by Bagdanovich, which I am not very familiar with his art until this book, and I'm telling you, you'll be amazed and shocked at how good his art is, and it's written by Peter J. Tomasi, so that's pretty kick-ass for a digital title. It just finished this week. Chapter 3 came out, and I believe either this week or next week, the first printed issue of all three of the first arc will be uh, released as Arkham Knight number one. And I'm telling you, if you have any interest in just a comic that looks great, if you're interested in the games at all, you like Peter J. Tomasi, whatnot, you just like Batman, uh, grab it. It is really, really good. Uh, there's a little bit of a, a Joker story involved, even though in this universe he is dead now, but he still has a grip on Batman and Gotham, which is great. This issue, they introduced Scarecrow, who wasn't in Arkham City, but had a little, a little bit of uh, Easter eggs in there so that you knew he was alive. But he is fully alive and, and involved in this. And also this issue, you got to see the Arkham Knight a little more. Still a mystery of who he is. I was hoping it was Jason Todd. There's been a lot of you know people questioning who and what it is. Uh, obviously in this comic, I do not think that we're going get to get that information. That'll be saved for the game. But yeah, that's it. Um, I really don't have any other geek news. We did our other news now. Again, we're going to go back to me and Eric talking, which is going to have a really odd feel to it because we'll probably talk about, well, actually, I know we're going to talk about, oh, you know, hey, Dan's news. But yeah, sorry about that. Dan will be back next week with more in-depth geek news. I hope I didn't annoy you too much. But that's it for the geek news. And we're back. All that, right. That was Dan's news. Geek news. Now, you wait until we're about to start. We have that whole break. <laughs> and you wait until we're about to start up again, and then you I, open your darn soda. I thought it was going to be quiet. And it was not quiet, like the last eight times. Now, next, you'll be lighting up. About, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's all the noise. And then my dog will come through barking. The kids will hit the controllers, and I'll start coughing. And you know what? That is a winning podcast. Excellent. I'm on board, then. In fact, uh, when earlier when Brightest Daycare, Ryan Clark, got a hold of us on Twitter uh, to complain to us. Also, uh, sent us a note, us and Comic Vine, a note on what a perfect podcast is. And it involved, <laughs> what, 22-minute podcast? 22, 23. Released on Tuesdays. Honestly, do you know what we should do? We should record ourselves and just cut it at 23 minutes and just release that. 23 minutes, yeah. Yeah. Just and, like it just cut right through the conversation. It's funny because he sent that to Comic Vine and uh, Matt from Comic Vine responded to him and was almost like, Oh, you know what? I've done podcasting for ten years and you know, I like to do a longer podcast because you get a flow, you get good information or whatever. I don't we just we have no reason or whatnot what we do. 
We don't even I, know. What I'm saying is we don't even know what we're doing. That's why so, ours is a three-hour podcast. I'd like to have an hour-and-a-half podcast, but through all the nonsense we like to talk about, no way it's going to happen. But, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you consider what we are doing improving, or do you think that we just run run our mouths and talk and... Isn't that improv? I don't know that it's really Im- improv. To me, means you got something going on. We oh, kind of yeah, just yeah, we definitely don't have anything. That's going what I'm on. saying. Ours is more. There's a difference, I think, between improv and rambling, <laughs> and I think we're more on the rambling side. Ramble on, baby. Ramble on. Guess what now? What guess? Guess, guess. what now is? <laughs> guess it is time for the books. <laughs> that will be fun. All right, so comics this week. This is the part where everybody's yelling for the comics. Here they are. You want your comics, you're going to get your comics. Uh, We're going to talk about ten books tonight. All right, ten books. Six of them are yours. Yes. Uh, Mainly because I was not too pleased with some of the uh, books that I had, but also because, again, I am lazy. Good. That's that's pretty much the, the... of it but we're going to start with uh one of your books one of your big books and a book yeah. that was really big at one point for you i'll say and, it, it's, it was way bigger back in the day than it is now yeah yeah back in the day back in the day yeah back in those good old days when earth 2 was you know Last living year. large and looking good so this is earth 2 number 32 <laughs> written by daniel h wilson marguerite benet and mike johnson with art by andy smith <laughs> ari Kamiyama, <laughs> mm-hmm. Trevor Scott, and Peter Pantazis. Uh, a lot of <laughs> names on there. A lot of crazy names. Uh, this is my fault for wanting to freaking talk about, like, name everybody. I only name the uh, penciler and the writers. I'm a jerk, but at least I think some, some hell's breaking loose downstairs here at my house. <laughs> Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard it. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I heard doors slamming, yelling. Probably because you mispronounced Pantazis, I think is what they were yelling. I think they yelled, man, Eric, and uh, mispronouncing those names. How was the book, Eric? um, It was was what it has been doing for a long time now. It's not great. It's Earth 2 was so strong, and that's what I'm talking about, how it was a big deal to me like a year ago. And uh, anymore, it's just become World's End's bitch. And this is what I'm calling the final issue. I actually looked this up because it's not labeled as the final issue because it's getting rebranded in uh, June as Earth 2 Society. Yeah. But this and, is the final. Uh, still being done by Daniel H. Wilson. Yeah. I'm hoping things change because it's just been terrible. Like, World's End will be over at that point. So maybe we can get back on some kind of course besides for World's End. But this issue here, which I'm calling the final issue, is pretty much just getting the band back together and, you know, having these be our core characters that are going to come together in uh, June, besides for Green Lantern. And all they do is take out one of these Earth-devouring satellites. I'm saying, these are supposed to be all over the world, and the whole issue is about taking out one. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny is I did read this. Forgot that this was the last issue of the <laughs> series, pretty much, until Earth to Society. And I didn't like it as it was. I think knowing then now that it was the last issue of the series, like I said, it didn't even dawn on me for some odd reason. And if it did, I would have hated it more. 
I'll say it says can like concluded in or like world's yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. But I want you know this was the book that I, like got me into the new fifty two. Like I was an asshole and boycotting it because like the new fifty two when it came out because it was not my like history that I spent my entire life learning. Yeah. And I got pissed off. But then when I, they announced Earth two, I'm like you know what I could really get behind this reimagining golden golden age heroes. Mm-hmm. And I really loved the book like James Robinson's run and like the early Tom Taylor stuff. I really dug. And anymore, it's just this world's end nonsense, and it's not fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? I really love the you say drill mayo. I, that was the uh, worst line I've seen in a comic in a long, long time. And I just, a lot of this comic, I just kind of just shook my head at because it, uh, to me it was not good at all. Well, I'm saying, besides for the point of like getting these characters together and having them kick ass together, because they've been split up pretty much throughout the world's end, doing their own thing, mm-hmm. it was also tying up some loose ends. Like, out of nowhere, we have uh, Batman trying to be an asshole, and Captain Steel coming up to him like, you know what, you have to understand something. And we get into a big flashback to Earth 2, number 13, where yeah. Captain Steel went into a fire pit, and at the end of the issue, he comes out, and he's all fucked up, and he's screaming about the Red Lantern is here. And that got everybody excited. Mm-hmm. And that was issue 13. Now we're issue 32, and it's the first we've heard about it since. Yeah. You know, and there was a lot of speculation whether they're actually going to have like Red Lanterns in this universe. But as we, anybody who's read World's End knows, or I hope, hopefully knows, it was just the Avatar of the Red down in the fire pit. Yeah. And he's, he's saying, like, you know, I met this Avatar of the Red. And she was like, you know, she hurt you, though. It's like, yeah, but she was in pain, and I deserved it. Because I'm thinking, this is like Avatar of the Red Mace right here. You come near me. You're stranger danger in this shit. She, he gets fucked up and then comes out screaming about Red Lanterns. So we had this whole tie-up thing where now we know that's what he meant by Red Lantern. That's, I don't know, maybe it was bothering a lot of people, so they decided we need to throw this in. Yeah. Was it and, bothering you? No, it was not. No. I just decided it was the Avatar of the Red. I was. It bothered me for a long time because we didn't get back to that for so long. Okay. It was only like a, uh, like two months ago that we actually saw in World's End that it was like the Avatar of the Red down there. So it did bother me a little bit, but not anymore since we've actually had some backstory in World's End. The other bit of thing it was trying to tie up is like I think they decided that they didn't have enough origin story for Doctor Fate and Hawkgirl. Yeah. So so we just find out like with one page. Yeah, Hawkgirl was given wings in this Egyptian like pyramid uh, as a gift. Yeah, yeah. And gift. then Khaled put on the helmet and saved them both. Yep. The end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Khaled with uh, pissed <laughs> off about the helmet and you well, know. Yeah, I... he, had a, he had a bad time last issue because it was like the helmet chose somebody else and then it ended up fucking them in the long run. He had to put it back on, and he said at the end of the issue, like when this like a war is over, I'm burying you, so nobody has to deal with you ever again. Yeah. And so now he doesn't want to put the helmet back on in this issue because he doesn't want to lose control and have Naboo take over. And But he does it anyway. Uh, Hawkgirl like, tells him about the time where he saved them both when they got their powers. And he's like, come on, nut up here. We've got some shit to do. And he destroys the satellite. And then Naboo tells him this fucked up like rhyme about how somebody's going to die at the end of yeah, our yeah, set. Yeah, yeah, at the end. Uh, I hate that last little bit on that panel where he's like, Naboo? And you, you see his crazy ass eyes coming yes. from. It really freaked me out. So I don't like when they do with uh, Red Hood when they you can see the eyes through yeah. the freaking mask. I, I don't like Red Hood when they show the mouth. I've told I like you that a million yeah. times. I like a mouthless mask with Red Hood, and when they show the mouth, it it drives me nuts. But that's uh, I didn't like the issue. I I said I didn't really like the art. 
I really like the art. That was the strongest point of the book, in my opinion. I like the art in the flashback, the origin story of Hawkgirl and uh, Khalid, but I didn't like the art uh, in general. There's a lot of panels that are lacking uh, good detail in the background, which is something that I enjoy. And I, I don't know. In general, I really didn't like the issue. I'll admit that I haven't been too caught up on Earth 2, so I'm probably talking out of uh, out of school. No, because... not really, because like, Earth 2, like it's a solo like, series here, has just been little origin stories for the past couple of months. Yeah. Like it talked about Barbara Gordon one month. It talked about the origin of the Furies one month. And like, last month was the Doctor Fate one. This kind of like is like a continuation which is good because it's the first one we've had in a while. Like, if you're just collecting Earth 2, like, uh, alone, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. I want to see what this is going to look like when it's collected. I, some of the, there's a lot of books that, that have that same problem where you wonder how they're, like, even uh, some of the big crossovers, you wonder how they, they collect them in the weirdest ways. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this will just be, you would assume, Earth 2 collected by itself, and somebody's down the line is going to say, oh, I want to, Pick it up. Like, they'll call, I don't know, what What do you think, the, what is the art called? Do they have any name? Like, it'd be Earth 2. I'm sure they do. I Earth don't know two, what it is. Destruction imminent. Honestly, there's not really an art going on in this. Yeah. It's just story You know, here. they always have that crazy title for it. Yeah, like, but Volume say, 3. Yeah. Down in the dumps. They'll probably call it just World's End, honestly. That's not fun. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with the worst titles. No, I, I gave this a 6.5. Oh, they'll call it World's End, I guess. <laughs> You son of a bitch. So what'd you give it? A 6.5 out of 10. Yeah, I, I Honestly, I gave it a little, I, like going back, it was a little high, I think. Um, yeah, I think you were a little high. It was it nostalgic. Just, yeah. for, I'm not nostalgic. It's just that this book meant so well, much to me before. It's funny because you say that now again, when I think about it being the final issue, I, over in the past, I really tended to go high on final issues as right. like a thank you for the book unless it's like right. something awful like a birds of prey or a um katana katana i was thinking or when i do uh this next week i think i have um what's uh Anosenti, um what's her new what's uh the witch boy clarion oh, clarion, yes. clarion when i read when i do the last clarion i don't think i'm going to go nostalgic with that but there's a lot <laughs> of times where like say an all-star western right. or a batwing Oh, yeah. uh, it's weird that I mentioned two uh, Palmiati and Gray books there. But what happens is I tend to go a little overboard as a thank you for loving the series. But yeah, it's it's weird because you haven't liked this one in a long while. It's been so rough. It's just because it is World's End, like like let, like, but it's less than World's End because it's just telling the stories that World's End doesn't want to tell. Yeah, again... I don't know why Tom Taylor left the thing behind it, but maybe that was why. Maybe he saw the writing on the wall because it was like that weird crossover like between him and Daniel H. Wilson in this new right. where they were kind of seemed like it was like ideas from Tom Taylor still that they were trying to work in to continue yeah. and then when it left. But man, since then it's really, I mean, you've said it before and it, it did become World's End's bitch. Yeah. Nobody wants to be a bitch. <laughs> and, I, just, I just really like this title at one point and yeah. I have such high hopes though for Earth 2 Society even though it's still written by Daniel H. Wilson I think some shit actually might go down because World's End will be over well, we don't have to deal with this and like, again maybe Daniel H. Wilson gets a bad rap maybe this isn't his plan either maybe he's been he was brought in told to do the story kind of worked with what the pieces he had and maybe Earth 2 Society when he starts from you know the ground floor 
enjoy that drink right there, uh, he'll be able to give us something better. Hopefully. Yeah. You are at this so loud drinking that drink. My bad. <laughs> you need a water fountain or something at your house. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, is that is that soda or is that iced tea? Soda pop. Okay. You're going to get uh, uh, kidney stones. You drink so much soda and iced tea. Been fine so far. Yeah. You'll see. You didn't think that hitting 30 was going to affect you either, like I told you. Oh, my God. It's like 30 pounds in like three weeks. It hit you like a brick. Yeah, they're like, you turned 30. Yeah, 30 pounds. (laughs) Boom. Hey, I lost 30 pounds. Your ass found them. Hey. Oh. I'll start telling. Hickory dickory dock. Oh. (laughs) What's the next book? World's End, right? Yes. Now we're getting into Earth 2, World's End. Number 22, written by yes. Daniel H. Wilson, Marguerite Benet, Mike Johnson, and Colin Bunn, with art by so many people I'm not even going to try to mention like normal. Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet. Oh! Okay, what are we talking about, World's End? World's End. Now we got, in this one, uh, I'm looking at my notes here. It's like, for some reason, I decided to write them out like I was doing a freaking solicit. Here, listen to this. Things come to a head when Batman, Huntress, and Red Arrow get back to Adam's Haven. It's freaking, the story is about, like, Brainwave has been in Adam's Haven, like, mind-controlling everybody, and he's going to take the, like, the escape ships and, yeah. like, leave with all these people and claim himself ruler of the next world they inhabit. You know, he's, like, their, their self-proclaimed savior by mind-controlling them and stealing the ships. Mm-hmm. So this whole issue is about this area because Dick Grace is looking for his son. Yeah. And while I'm happy as hell to, like, read about Brainwave going down, the whole book goes to a halt for me because... Dick Grayson has been so concerned about his son, but in this issue, he yeah. calls him the wrong goddamn name. Yep. I'm like, that's probably it? why he only has him for what two seconds. Yeah, uh, like we were introduced to the character as Johnny Grayson. Yep. Now he's and, Tommy, right? I'm saying somewhere I don't know the exact issues, but t- this is the second time I believe that they've decided to call him Tommy out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm telling you, I saw, I, I got to the panel where he's like, Tommy, Tommy, I just put the fucking book down. I'm like, no. Well, it's funny because you're under the assumption that he doesn't respond because he's in con- brainwaves controlling him. <laughs> it's because he's calling him the wrong name. It's like, hey, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy's like, who's this guy? Uh, he is not my father, he starts yelling. <laughs> he's got a safe word. Uh, what was yours? Zucchini, zucchini. Zucchini. How do you spell zucchini, Dick Grayson? I don't know. But, and so, but this is the whole thing. He's finally getting his son, and for some reason, Dick Grayson is immune to brainwaves, like you know, like uh, yeah, mind it's, control. It's weird, and he kind and of spells it out. It's because he's Nightwing. I guess I, I'm saying there was no explanation, and then it's completely over, like like underdone because he calls his son Tom. And in fact, it's not. It's just because he's Dick Grayson, right? He yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm thinking even that. It, no. Yeah, he's just Dick Grayson. Yeah, he's just Dick Grayson, strong-willed mm-hmm. somehow. He doesn't. He's not affected. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> Fucking Tommy. Tommy. Tommy's yelling. God damn it, kid, listen to me. He starts hitting them. Well, no, it's My just, name's it's, Johnny. It's business as usual, though, as we get to, like, uh, things going on. Like, you know, it jumps around. Jimmy Olsen's now a new guy because of his interaction with the mother box yeah, before. Yeah, I saw that then. And, uh, and the other Superman heroes are trying to uh, distract Apocalypse. So Commander Sato, can, now that all the ships are open and Brainwave's done... They can actually evacuate Earth now. So mm-hmm. they're, you know, we're actually going somewhere. But when it jumps around the story, it's like, out of nowhere, we jump to a story. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Olsen's a new god. All right. Yeah, yeah. 
it, the book doesn't really work for me. Now. I think, like even going back to Earth Two, there were some things going on in that that made it seem like it was going on the exact same point as this issue of World's End, mm-hmm. and then some other things made it feel like it was going on beforehand. Yeah, I, that's the one thing is that when I read Earth Two and then they're like, you know, to be concluded or continued in World's End, I I figured I was going to pick up World's End and go, okay, we'll be right there. And, no, uh, no, 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 they're not right there. Next. So I'm saying though, at least everybody's going to start getting evacuated. We're going towards the end of this story. I hope Johnny gets evacuated, not Tommy. Not, not Tommy. Johnny. Nobody likes Tommy. No, I'm saying. <laughs> like we said, the best is he's been trying to find Johnny slash Tommy for all this time. He finds him and has him for what seems to be the equivalent of five minutes, if that. I, I... And loses him again. He's the worst, worst father ever. I, I just don't understand the inclusion of Dick and Barbara Grayson at this time. Like, they were introduced. I was all excited thinking there was going to be a big deal going on. Mm-hmm. Barbara dies. Nothing comes of it. And then Dick, like, you know, loses his son and then spends the next how many months going after his son. I did enjoy the crazed look he had while looking at the Batarang. <laughs> the craziest look. That one big eye. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, Looks cool. like sloth. Yeah, and then he yells for Tommy again. Where'd you yeah. go, Tommy? Then there's a shoe. It's the worst. But yeah. I gave it. I gave this a five point seven out of ten. It's not. I'm telling you, I keep hoping that this book is going to become good because every couple of weeks we'll have like a decent issue. I'm like, all right, now it's going to turn around. Yeah. And then it doesn't. <laughs> I I know. I I didn't like it. I would have given it probably a uh, four four point five. I didn't I, like it. I actually, uh, I'll tell you one thing. I did like the art. I thought what? the art was very good. Uh, but I've liked the art in all the issues that I've read since we started. Um, but just everything in it seemed just like nonsense. Well, the freaking uh, the scene with Batman and Huntress coming down is probably one of the coolest pa- uh, pages I've seen in the series. Yep. When yeah. they come down to stop Rainway. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. And just pound the crap out of his face <laughs> yeah he just levels him and then uh, it's, it's so it's so satisfying but nothing you know comes of it all right he's done i'm saying we had all this build up to brainwave doing this thing oh he gets punched in the face it's over yep. let's move on yep over but i'm gonna move on to my next book all right which also involves dick grayson and it is grayson number eight written by tim seeley and tom king with art by michael yannon and I'll tell you, I love this book. I love this series. I love everything about it. I'd like to kiss it right now. <laughs> now That's how I've much read, I love it. Say, I think I'm pretty sure I've read issue one. Okay. And the past two issues of this. All right. And I went, went into this book, and I had no idea what was going on. Okay. Like at the end, you had no idea? Well, I, well, I actually went back and looked because I started reading. I didn't realize it was going back and forth throughout time. Yeah, well, the, the thing about the book as well uh, is that it is the last issue of this arc and and it really is a solid ending where in june when it picks up it's going to be a different style of book they're kind of uh bringing down a lot of things and uh i liked it a lot because the book itself it's a spy thriller and this book really plays that out where you it does not you know what it does it It talks about his goddamn butt cheeks for half of it well no that's the middle i'm saying when it starts off you have mr minus it's not out of time that's him talking at the same time. I, I know what I'm saying though, but at one point they go back in time to them at a, him and Helen at a diner. No, that's Mr. Minos at the same time. 
he mentions that that oh, he is a oh, separate guy. Yes, he is, yes. He okay. has like a. I, I I was trying to think of how to explain it. It's not a hologram because it's actually physical. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it's like a, a hard light construct. Yeah, yeah. It's and so what happens is is he's basically starting out by he's selling out all the superheroes. He right. tells his contact, whoever that may be. I thought that was Helena. Yeah. Well, no, that's somebody that I guess, but it could be her. But he would have realized it was her. It's right. uh, you know, he's telling. Maybe I'm wrong though, but he's telling them basically who Superman is. Yeah. Is when it starts, and at the in the meantime, he's also talking. This other version of him is talking to Helena, and um, shoots Helena basically in the chest with her own uh, crossbow. Yeah, I had a gas moment there. Yeah, and a, and a cool thing, she explains later, she does survive, she explains later that anytime she doesn't use the crossbow, she puts the sights off so that if anybody does get a hold of it, they won't hit it. He's, she basically says, Mr. Minos was aiming for my heart. And she goes back and they go back to... Uh, the St. Hadrian School finishing school for girls, where in the meantime, <laughs> Dick is the gym teacher. And from and what this issue does really well is it ties in all the issues and the yeah. crazy things. And what I like about what um, Tim Seeley and Tom King have done, you get these side characters that you barely see, which are these girls. But yet when we have seen them before, you like them right away. So when you see them again, you're like, oh, man, it's those girls from an issue. I think it was issue four where they kind of caught wind that Dick was on the grounds. Yeah. And that's how they had to make a reason why he was there. So Spiral made up the lie that he was the new gym teacher and that he was a gay guy because they didn't want the (laughs) ladies to go nuts. But there they are. They're talking about his butt cheeks the whole time. And uh, basically named them Jim and Juan, his butt cheeks. And I, lo- I loved every minute of it. Uh, and a side note, it's funny because in Injustice this week, the digital first book, they really stressed Dick's butt cheeks in that too. <laughs> and in fact, to the point where we had somebody on the site mention to me how much they were mesmerized by Dick's butt cheeks as in, the, in that book he's uh, assumed the role of dead man right. uh, in Injustice because Damien had killed him. Uh, he goes by dead wing. But yeah, it was funny because I had already gone into this book already talking about <laughs> Dick Grayson's butt cheeks. And then there you go. They have him again. And again, it's kind of funny. Helena busts in. She's been shot. She tells Dick what's going on. You get to see uh, Agent Number One, which is probably also uh, the only thing, probably my only thing that I didn't like about the issue or actually was upset about for people reading is that agent one looks a lot like dick he looks like a um like a uh face that he has a head wrap on yeah. it does look like dick but then dick comes in and i think the art in this book was awesome especially there was a fight and what happened is is mr minos he had been having dick and helena and all of spiral agents going around and getting these paragon organs and, you know, you realize what's going on. You realize yeah. that at some point he's going to put them together and do something. You don't know what it's going to be. We're going to have be. Frankenstein monster going Didn't on. Didn't realize that it was going to be that he was going to put them together to kill the agents of Spiral. But that's what happens. 
He pretty um, much makes an Amazo android. Yeah, it's an Amazo. In, in fact, there's a <laughs> funny point where I'm looking right now where Dick kicks Paragon, and he almost even gets that Amazos or Eclipsos uh, crazy head. Right. Which I, I don't. I think it was just by accident, but it was kind of neat. But what happens is Dick goes to help Agent uh, Number One and uses his brains to figure out, okay, this is what's going to happen. I know all the weaknesses of the Justice League. This is basically he has constructed this to emulate the Justice League. Obviously, you would think that what he was doing was he was going to call out all the Justice League, tell their secrets, and then when they attack, he have this paragon to fight them. But you get parts where he's like, I, I know Cyborg. His blast, when his blast come, it's you hear a click in three seconds that comes. So they avoid that. And they're like, this is my favorite part of the whole yeah, issue oh, where he's going through and talking and about how he's a, trained. Yes. And it's awesome because you get the idea that Batman has trained him. Oh, yeah. To, when shit goes bad, you yeah. need to understand. We yep. need to take on the Justice League. And again, League. He, he, has, he knows the weakness of Cyborg. He knows the weakness of Flash. He knows Green Lantern. He knows Superman and Martian Manhunter. It's funny because there's no Batman. And I thought again, it was funny that there was Martian Manhunter, actually. Yeah, I know. It was weird. But um, the best part of the issue was that as he's doing this, He's kind of realizing, okay, these were the organs I got here. I got this organ there. We got that. Realizes that uh, finally that, wait a second, there was the issue where I saved that baby yeah. by walking him through the desert, and then he didn't give him up. He told Mr. Minos the baby had died, and yeah. that was the heart they were going to get. And he realizes then there's the weakness, that this paragon has a regular heart. So does not have the like the like the Wonder no, Woman strength. Doesn't that, have the Wonder Woman strength heart. And that's so. I like that part a lot because that is the one consistency like uh, contingency that Batman couldn't go up against because yep. how do you stop Wonder Woman? Yeah, yeah. And I and, love that. And so he realizes the weakness. In the meantime, the girls from the the school come mm -hmm. and actually, like I said in in my review, saved his gym and Juan because <laughs> he was he was about to get it and they just let loose with the dart guns and. Uh, I love those girls. They're the best. I, I wasn't a I wasn't a fan of them. No, I love them. And the, I love the issue they were in before. Uh, but in this, he gets uh, Agent One's gun, and he's going to shoot. And the best part to me also was, and in my mind, it was almost like in the Avengers with uh, Bruce Banner when he turned around. And he's like, "That's my secret. I'm yeah. always angry." He picks up the gun, and basically everyone's like, "He he doesn't use guns. He's he's not going to hit it." And he basically says, "You know what?" You know, I'm a liar. I'm We're spies. That's what we yeah. do. And he's like, yeah. He says, yeah, well, that's what spies do. We lie. Shoots him dead. So he's dead. And then in the meantime, they kill this construct of Mr. Minos. Actually, Helena shoots him, gets the sights right, shoots him. And then in the meantime, the real Mr. Minos is there with his contact, kind of laughing like, oh, right now they're going to be fighting me, thinking that they're going to do it right and whatever. And this contact basically reveals herself that she is going to kill him. And uh, I love it, too, because this Mr. Minos has come off as such a um, pompous ass the whole time. Where yeah. he he wants to tell. He's like Riddler-esque. And he, and he wants to say, like, listen, I want to tell you who I am. I want to tell you what's going on. And she doesn't care. Kills him. He's dead. And then she just gets up. Like I said, it's like a spy movie. Uh in my mind, like a French connection or something right. like that, where she just gets up in this diner where they're at, or diner, it's more of a cafe, 
and he's there bleeding to death and she's just probably going to throw some bills down on the table and walk away <laughs> but then at the end it says a new mission a new partner same old dick grace number nine june 2015 so uh i'm really excited about it because i think that the thing with spiral and dick kind of being a bad guy i do, again i don't know what's going to happen or what they're going to do but i'm hoping that this turns it around into a way where dick is a good guy again and in fact what it reminds me a lot of in my mind because i'm making this all up right now <laughs> is that it reminds me a lot of what happened in uh, winter soldier when um uh it, no no when uh, captain america and all of shield when right. uh what's it called what's the hydra when hydra oh, okay. exposed itself now shields on the run and it kind of i hope that's what it's like i hope that just it changes everything to that effect where spiral maybe spiral's done maybe they're brought down or maybe spiral wasn't bad and it was just mr minos who was doing wrong things See, i never saw him as bad they were just trying to like it was ends to a mean like a uh, means well, to an end trying, I mean, like... they were trying to expose what you thought was they were batman sent that's the other thing you're gonna have to tie this in because batman sent him to join spiral because he heard that spiral was trying to expose all the heroes yeah and it, obviously they were well, that's, saying, that's care not necessarily now. a bad thing in the eyes of regular government uh, or people. No, you know? but it's a bad thing for Batman. Oh, yeah. And whoever killed him, I, I'm looking at it now trying to get like a um, a bead on who it may be. Maybe somebody smarter than me can say like, <laughs> oh, well, you can tell because it's this. But I'm looking and you basically just see the woman. You see so wet. You, know, you see a lot of her mouth. And she like, she kills him with the lipstick gun, which is right. great. And, and things like that but yeah i'm looking forward to see where it goes and what it's about because i love dick i love <laughs> yeah i said it uh i he's my favorite superhero and a lot of people a guy who we talked to uh, on his podcast hates this book and hates it just because he wants it's Nightwing. Not, yeah, exactly because it's not Nightwing. and he hates for hate's sake yeah and i love night i loved nightwing but if Dan DeDio wanted to kill Dick Grayson because he hated him, this book is like a big F you to him because it's so good. Yeah. And everything about it I love. Uh, art, writing, everything. I really like it. I gave it, I believe, a 9.7 out of 10. Wow, that's a nice score. Yeah, I, I really liked it a lot. But that's that. And you're up next, I believe. Hold on a sec. Oh. I'm, I'm saying, I, I put down the book, though. Okay. And the only questions I had, though, was... Do young girls really talk about butt cheeks like this? I would think that if you're in a girls' school with no guys around and the only guy you've seen is Dick Grayson, you might talk about butt I, cheeks. I'm just wondering, though, because, you know, I, I know that girls talk about, you know, guys got nice asses and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, through all the relations I've had in my life, I've never had a lot of ass play. Like, girls want to do shit with my ass. I don't know. It's... I just think if you look, he's, you know, he's a built guy. Like, do they and want to bite that shit like an apple? I don't think that they want to have butt play. I, I don't know, though. They're I so, think like, that they just mesmerized by his butt. It, I guess. I yeah, don't I don't know. think that they're, like, claiming they're going to get a bedpost and shove it up there or anything. They're, you know, they're just looking at it, and they like it. And they, they've named it, though. Like, they're going into this. Like, you know, I think I like the left butt cheek more than the right butt cheek. Yeah, poor, yeah, no, poor Juan. Again, you know? I think it's like you're in the desert and you see a glass of water. You're going to you're gonna admire that glass of water. I'm not sticking my dick in the water. And it's funny because the uh, the plan of Spiral and Mr. Minos to say he's gay, they don't care. No. 
Not one bit. They're they're into it. I, I just really got concerned. Like you know, do the women talk about asses like this? And like, what do they want to do with these asses? I I don't know why you even want to know that. I'm a I'm a curious party. You You're know? a curious fella. Yeah. Well, uh, I I would doubt that they'd name individual butt cheeks uh, different names. That's <laughs> odd to me. Like maybe they'd call it like one name, like Humphrey. Like, like man, Tim, Tim Tim Seeley writes this, right? Tim Seeley and Tom King. I'm saying that I want to talk to them, ask if they did some like you know background on this before they started writing this. Also, when I'm looking at it too, did they go to the high schools? Like I want to do this. I I know he's not a superhero with like a meta hero, but I would think that where he is, that 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 Dick would hear them, and maybe he. I could like he'd do like that dun 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 with his butt cheeks, <laughs> make him go like that. Also, and, he's the worst gym teacher ever because all they're doing is standing there watching while he just does. Yeah, I don't know. What he's, yeah, he's just uh, yeah. Maybe he's showing them how to do it, but uh, that's the entire gym class. All right, the gym class it's oogling. The uneven parallel bars. Watch me do this, girls. Yeah, get hey. some training in. <laughs> next next week we're gonna do the. Uh, the parallel bars, then they're doing the horse, the pommel yeah. horse. Yeah. It's like, just look them at, watching. Look at yeah, me, ladies. A... A couple weeks later, they're just watching him do push-ups. <laughs> and then he's reenacting the scene from Top Gun with the volleyball. Uh, then then the uh, police are coming and putting the cuffs on him and taking him away. <laughs> and next thing he has to report everywhere he lives, he's got to walk up and down the street and tell everybody. That's why he left Chicago. He just that, got too many. That's why that's it, Nightwing now. didn't get killed. He was he was on the list. He had to become a spy. <laughs> yep. Oh goodness, that, that that might be true. But hey, he's a bad bad gym teacher, but a, a hell of a superhero. Hey, Helena, I understand I'm a man with no name now. Does that mean I still have to report myself to my neighbors? <laughs> He's like, does, does this get me off all those lists that I was on? <laughs> Am I allowed near schools now? Now that I got the spiral face thing, people can't see it? Can I get back to my uh, side career as a party clown? <laughs> like, no, I'm sorry, Dick. Spiral can't get rid of that. People were hurt. <laughs> Your book's well, next. It's Future's End. Oh, yes, it is. Future Zen number 44, written by Brian Azzarello, Jeff Lemire, Dan Jurgens, and Keith Giffen. What are you laughing about? No, that was my son sneezing. Uh, With art by Patrick Zercher, Andy McDonald, and Hi-Fi. I really like this issue because it is the finale to the Big Bad Brainiac story that we've been dealing with. Superman, for some reason, means business this issue because two times before this, He's gone up to fight Brainiac because he just got blasted away and then he's been knocked out. This time, he's like, you know what? I'm going to do this for real, I guess. Because he flies up, gets blasted hardcore and just says, eh, I'm okay with this. And punches Brainiac so hard that the multiverse hurts. Yeah, that was awesome. I'm saying, it's, it's almost like one of those, like, when he gets hit, you see all the previous versions of uh, Brainiac, like, as he goes down. You, like, yep. I don't know how to describe it. It cascades out of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm saying, I'm looking at this though. It just reminds me of one of those old like uh, threats. Like, man, I'm gonna hit you so hard, all your previous selves are gonna feel it. Your your kids are gonna hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't stop like, laughing. Yeah, at I'm gonna hit you so hard, your kids are gonna limp. So now that Brainiac is down, we get Ray Palmer in on this bitch. And Jim, guess what happens now that Ray Palmer's here? Um, he makes people run fast. No, no, no. It's... Could he possibly shrink things? Oh my God, you are correct. <laughs> oh, it only Palmer's... took me two guesses. 
Ray Palmer's involved, so now we know that there's a shrink Brainiac down. He gets all the use fears that uh, Mr. Terrific planned on selling. He reprograms them into shrinking devices and just shrinks Brainiac down. At the end, he has a little T-sphere there, and he just Pokeballs the motherfucker. Yep, he Pokeballs him. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I laugh so hard. Yep. I'm telling you, I really enjoy this issue, and I make light of it with all my sarcasm. I really enjoyed it, though. Because it was just a lot of fun to read. But at the end... We're left with now that like uh, Brainiac is done and Superman stopped the uh, Manhattan from falling, pulled like a Superman Returns, yeah, where he like goes down underneath of it to make sure it doesn't crash land. Yeah, we yeah, ha- yeah. We have the realization that Batman and Mister Terrific activated Brother Eye to come to the rescue. So now we're just left with that jerk off eye staring at us with this ominous mm-hmm. like like eye going on. That was terrible. Yeah, but um. Now we just have the rest of that to deal with for the rest of the series, which I'm really interested in because I had a lot of fun with this. Um, you forgot about one thing. What's that? The uh, most loyal customer who ever lived. Well, no, that's actually my, one of my big, uh, biggest problems because it's nitpicky problem because he's standing there outside of a store because this is supposed to be the day that the use spheres are released. Yeah. And he wants to be the first to get his. Mm-hmm. And then after Adam goes and reprograms all the use spheres. They're and, all out. Uh, they're all out and about. Maybe he that says, was the beta test. No, I'm saying, though, he says, wow, a lot of people have use spheres. Yep. Like, what are you talking about, um, Adam? Maybe it's a worldwide release and the, the time zones. But, man, I, the guy's there, though. He's camping out. Nobody else is there. In, something, tells, Manhattan. something tells me that that release is going to be delayed. Honestly, I swear to Christ, this would happen in real life for a but, new iPhone he, 6 or whatever. I like, too, that he's on <laughs> a slab of... Of, rubble uh, rubble that's like slanted where right next to him he could actually put this chair he's sitting on on flat ground next to the door yep nobody's at the store <laughs> they're not selling the u spheres nobody's getting that u sphere during katrina or some shit like that i'm sure if there was a release date that day people would still be camping no, out there's while no the way. fucking new orleans flooded um and... people are fucking crazy yeah yeah i know that uh Maybe Dan, we'll have to ask Dan if, if his 3DS that he was waiting for, if that yeah. was on sale in the middle of a uh, disaster, if he would wait in line. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you, that's not crazy to me to think about it because people are insane like that. They yeah. want to be the first to get their technology. But you are right. It is funny because he's claiming he's there to get it. And it's obviously, it's there as a joke. Yeah. It's there to get a little humor, but it doesn't jive with the rest of the story no. about them being out and about but i gave this a, a book an 8.8 out of 10 i really dug it i like the art i'm sorry whenever patrick zercher's on a book i know it's going to look magnificent yeah i uh love patrick zercher i told you on the breaker before we started that he tweeted out that he has to do a good job on art because it always has to match up with ryan sook's awesome covers and they which, always kick and ass, they are right? they're awesome but man patrick zercher is i i think the guy is a little too humble because, man, his art is, is always good. I can't think of what it is right now. I know Patty Z's on a new book. That's what I like to call him, Patty Z, because we're tight like that. Yeah. But yeah. I know he's on a new book in June, and I'm really, like, I can't remember what the hell it is off the top of my head, but I'm really excited for it. We're, so we're, go, go look that up. <laughs> um, we're, we're so tight that I believe that I found out that his name's pronounced Zerker. Oh, yes. Remember that? And we, we go with Zercher. Yeah, what? That's how tight we are. Goddamn name. That's why I, I say Patty Z. I never, before we did this, I never thought that people's names were this hard to pronounce. Me either. It's weird. We're dummies. 
Well, my last name is Shea, and all throughout high school, I always got Eric Shea because of S-H-E-A. Yeah. My last name's Werner, and people would say Wiener. <laughs> and then they'd say Warner. I remember I made an ass out of myself at prom with my date because somebody, like, they did a special song for us. Like, they were, like it was like, you know, this is for, like, this people. What the song is that? Huh? I, I don't remember what the song was, man. It was 100 years ago. Okay. But, um... I remember the freaking guy yelling out, and like for my date's name, and Eric Shea. And I actually stopped dancing and went up to him. It's Eric Shea, motherfucker. Everybody's like, why do you care? I was a really hate, like, you know, I had a lot of hate in me when I was younger. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. Well, my son that sneezed earlier, his name's Rafe, R-A-E-F. And God knows how many times he's going to hear it in his life. Like, hey, uh, Rafe, (laughs) or Raf, Rafi. Oh, the worst part, too, I've actually had teachers call my mother. My mother does not have the same last name as me, and they ask for Mrs. Shia. I'm like, the mother, I'm in their motherfucking class. <laughs> Mrs. Shia. Oh, that's uh, good. So what you, do we got next, brother? Uh, did, what did you give Future's End? Did you say 8. what you gave 8.8 out of 10. Oh, oh, that's pretty good for you. Oh, for this book, yeah. That because book, a lot yeah. of time it's, it's been rough, but recently during this uh, Brainiac bit, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that that's the best issue I've read in a long, long time. From that's what I think back. I said in my review. Is it's the best issue I've seen in a long time. long time. Well, my next book is a book I love, Justice League 3000, number 15. It is written by Keith Giffen and J.M.D. Mateus and art by Howard Porter. And I have to say that from the get-go, the first thing that anybody who would pick up this book who has been reading it will applaud and and hooray and yell and scream that Howard Porter's back on art after one issue of not being on. I said in my review that he's not allowed to take any more vacations. Yeah, you were really down last issue about yeah, him yeah. not being on. No, I love his art. And it opens up with Etrigan talking with fire about what they're going to do to the Justice League and uh, King Arthur's area and Ice's castle and all this. Basically just telling Fire that he's going to uh, destroy everything, lay waste. Of course, it has to rhyme. So uh, he's going to lay waste the land, and then when you get back, I'll use my hand. That's basically what actually <laughs> it ends with them bedding down. So yeah, it's, it's not, pretty hey, much. Hey, when you get back from this, we're going to fuck. Yeah, basically that's what he says. But I, I had a huge huge problem with the beginning of this issue and do you know what it is no i do not know huge problem with this whole issue this is basically i have two issues with this (laughs) issue (laughs) issue and this is the biggest one and it is where is dark side oh yes the big reveal last issue was that dark side's head was in a bottle and was the advisor to etrigan he's in his back room it was so awesome and yet this issue starts and you get the idea that that was just a gimmick because he is not there. And I said in my review, did the uh, bottle sprout legs like mechanical legs and walk away? Dark side what happened? Why would, city of no, dark it, side. it makes no sense. And it really upset me because these guys, uh, Giffen and DeMatteis and Howard Porter, are so good on this book. And, and everything to me always rings true and hits the right <laughs> notes. And this really, really upset me. It really did, and uh, in fact, on somebody claimed I, I a little preview of the score. I gave it a nine point five out of ten, and somebody on Twitter actually wrote to me and said, "Why didn't you give it a ten out of ten? This issue was awesome." 
And I said, basically, because Darkseid was avoided and it was gone and there was no uh, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. Right. That's what I wanted. And when you think about it is this is the last issue of Justice League 3000. Yet Justice League 3001 is coming out in June, which is basically a weird place to pick up. Uh, but it, it's it's going to continue the story. And basically this issue, it didn't seem rushed to me. What it seemed like was a little bit of an intro for what's going to come in the next issue. It right. was very odd. It ended. It kind of ended an arc, but it more set up the future of the book in June. Yeah, well, the Injustice League. Yeah, what happens though is the Justice League uh, happened on Camelot. Uh, is it Camelot? What, what Camelot, nine. Camelot Nine. For some reason, I was going to call it Camelot Three Thousand. They've been <laughs> on Camelot Nine, where uh, King Arthur has been fighting Etrigan for what seems to be ages. Ice has been caught in the middle. Uh, the Justice League kind of woke her up, kind of got her going, talked to her, and now this big battle is going to happen where Fire and Etrigan and the, their demons are going to fight the King Arthur's people and the Justice League, and that's what happens. They basically, the demons of Etrigan attack. Uh, you get Superman being a douche again. Holy shit. It's funny, too, because for a while now, he's gone on like an upward swing of being a better guy. He's back to being super douche. I think they played time. a little too much though about like yo know, his again, attraction to Flash. Uh, again, it's weird because they keep making up the joke about it, and it, it was an odd joke because that hasn't been that much of a running joke. But yeah, they really push that. They really push Batman and Superman kind of making fun of each other and against each other, which they've gotten away from a bit uh, lately as well. Uh, and then you get the bloodthirsty wonder woman you get uh terry as the flash who basically i said in my review that she, basically the whole time she's complained about having skid stains yeah in her, in her outfit and it, you, it's fun though i i really really i loved it and you get a little team building where uh wonder woman admits that terry's her friend and then is mad that she said it you know oh it's just in battle but what you get Etrigan's demons are attacking, and then Ice just gets mad because they're basically her fortress is. You're in, wrecking up my house. Yeah, they're wrecking the house, and she basically goes frozen on them and freezes the whole place. Everybody's frozen. All the demons are frozen, and it, it, it's very cool. Doesn't mean much because then the second wave comes in with fire, and then you get this crazy reunion of fire and ice, where it's one of those where. In my mind, it would be like two people fighting, punching each other, and then all of a sudden they look at each other, and then they start, just start hugging, hugging and a kissing. But yeah, they become friends again, and then basically this whole thing ends up being viewed by who appears to be the next focus of Justice League 3001, which is the Injustice League. And Woo. I'm telling you, I love the Injustice League here. I love that Lois Lane is basically the biggest villain of the universe. I really love that. I also love that it seems like second in command is Mirror Master. Yeah. Uh, he's got, I like, uh, there's a lot of funny jokes. There's jokes about uh, how Sinestro and Hal Jordan, stuff like that. that yeah, I didn't uh, dig that. They call out Sinestro and say that, you know, you two had a thing going and all this. And I, I like, too, is... Uh, 
Sinestro even claims, that, hey, I was the one who crippled Hal Jordan a thousand years ago. I thought I, little bits like this throughout this whole series are awesome because then you think in your mind what it is is like how we said about uh, what it why is. we love Star Wars is that there was all these stories that happened before. Well, now you, I want to know how Sinestro crippled Hal Jordan. Well, I'm saying we never will. That's the greatest no, part. No, but that's that's the thing. You can come up in your mind and make up. If you're not lazy like me, you'll come up with a story of how he did it. I just take it for granted. Uh, but you also get Zeus. You have Bane, who... Bane, nothing in this. He just kind of stands there and looks mean. Uh, I'll admit that Lois has the craziest look on that <laughs> last page. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like they've uh, killed Ariel. Ariel Masters, which is a crazy way to end. Honestly, at first, I like I flipped the page and I saw that, and I thought mm-hmm. she was actually the leader. And before oh, yeah, I realized yeah, yeah. that she was dead, then yeah, yeah, she's dead, um, which is crazy. What I don't understand, though, and I am excited. I can't wait for Justice League three thousand and one, but the book didn't sell well with the Justice League. No, I don't know what they're gonna do with the Injustice League. Except obviously fight the Justice League. Yeah. They're, but they're making it end like this as if the book is now going to be the Injustice League. And there's no possible way that it can only focus on that. Right? Well, I, I think it's going to be the main villain. Like, as soon as they get done this, yes, so like, even, be... I think the Injustice League might even help fucking take out the rest of these demons well, so they can get yeah. to the Justice League well, when it comes back. And, and the funny thing is. In a perfect world, this book never would have had problems, and this would have just continued the book. Yeah. I don't know why they're renumbering it at Justice League 3000 number one, unless well, they the same just... the reason you got a new 52? Uh, yeah, but it's it's only this many issues in. Yeah. It's not like we're 15 issues in to actually try... To, I mean, how desperate can you be? Uh, again... <laughs> They're probably pretty desperate. It's done so well, man. And I love it. I really think this book is one of the best books in the New 52. God rest its soul. <laughs> I'd say, no, stop with that. But New 52 I, is fine. Yeah, no, it's done. It's not even on life support. It's fine, man. You know it's what it fine. is? It's the New 52 is about to get in the plane with Harrison Ford. <laughs> and you know what happens then. That's trouble. That uh, you know, that's what actually we were talking before. You realized why nobody was flying with Harrison Ford. Nobody in their <laughs> right mind would get in a plane with that guy. That guy's been in multiple crashes. They said, "Oh, jeez, can't take Han Solo down." No, no, you can't. He can fly the Millennium Falcon. He just can't fly actual, real, to life <laughs> aircraft. And he shouldn't. He shouldn't be driving a car. He <laughs> needs a chauffeur in the air and on the road. Say, hold on, though. I'm getting back to this book. I usually I have a problem with Keith Giffen's kind of humor where he has yeah. this whole shtick. Yeah, yeah. But he does. I actually found myself giggling throughout this book. But I'm saying it gets overused like an NS, like an SNL sketch where it goes on too long. Yeah, it does. Like the, uh, like the skid marks in her goddamn underwear. Yeah, yeah. They mentioned that like six uh, times. It was you know, funny the first two. Her being Superman's girlfriend, it just yep. kept coming and coming. It's like, come on. Um, I'm trying to think if this was this. I think they mentioned one of my favorite jokes in this that I'm trying to think back. Did they mention how uh, uh, Superman said he's going to fly down? That was yes, the issue, yes. right? He, yeah. All the time. Forgets For the that he last can't time, fly. you can't fly. Yeah, he, he, every time, he's like, <laughs> I'm just going to fly over there. The one time he jumped out a window. And I just, you know, but he's, he does have powers. He, he just can't fly. Yeah. And it, it, it's hilarious to me. And then his 
comeback all the time like it is here is that he yells at Batman that he Bat, at least I have powers, and then Batman comes back with the well, uh, my powers, my brain, something you don't have. Well, it's it's very common the way they do it, and what's weird, like I said, they haven't done that in a while. They, it's been getting to the point where Superman has started to become a little better. And you, you're getting the idea that what happened to those who don't know that it is a parasitic cloning process where there's some live person who then gets the DNA of one of these heroes so that's what you've told and then me, it but takes it, seems, it over. I'm saying though, that's what it seems like you've told me about that, but it seems like these heroes don't, it, that's not the thing. Like Terry, that happened to her like uh, with the flash. Well, Terry got it. Terry actually got that. Terry is the weird one because hers was combined with the flash's DNA and, okay. and yet she's remained Terry. Yeah, but with the flashes thing, and because when she was talking to Superman, or uh, no, she was talking to Wonder Woman, and this it seemed like they were created. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I don't they, know because I have I haven't read the entire series. At the beginning, have. they just thought they were clones, and right. then they found out why, and that was like at the beginning, the thing was, um, uh, Flash died a couple right. of times, and they just kept <laughs> making them again, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was like you know he. And he even explained, like, it's hell. You actually know you're dying and this, and now somebody else is dead because of me and stuff like that. And it was one of those kind of side issues that they kind of went away from a bit, that you thought that at one point they were going to try to take down some things, but they just got the hell out and got to Camelot 9 to, to get away from the other Terry, Terry Flash Terry's brother, right. who was part of uh, the Big Cadmus thing. But... um my favorite, my favorite line is I'm, I want to make sure I'm, I'm not sure if this is correct or not, but it's with the Superman, even though he's an asshole throughout the whole thing. Yeah, Ar- Ariel, like he's going off to talk about shit. Ariel says you're intolerable, and then he's like, I think you mean invulnerable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's he is great. He to me, you remind he's me like a of, Jersey muscle head. He, I, I, t- I was gonna say he's uh, meathead Rob Lowe. Exactly. He's like yeah. the uh, the douchebag guy in the gym where everything is about him being strong. All uh, the ladies want him. Like everything in his in his mind is that everybody loves him. He's the hero of the universe, and it, it's really fun because you expect Superman to be this you know clinker yeah, guy. Superman. And, uh, somebody mentioned it was kind of funny when they mentioned uh, that he does come off a lot like Guy Gardner. Yeah, and it would be a kind of a funny thing if you found out that somehow they mix those two together, <laughs> and you get fun. the Superman powers. But what you're actually getting is Guy Gardner because he does yeah. act a lot like Guy Gardner. Which, in fact, I'm probably going to do a top five list uh, in the next couple of weeks of characters that I'd want in this book, and I would love to see Guy Gardner. I'd love to see some of the other Lanterns show up at some point, and Guy Gardner's my favorite Lantern. Because he's a jerk like me. I think he's Keith Gibbons' favorite lantern too. Yeah, so that that'd be awesome. But yeah, it's going to continue in June. Uh, kind of re soft reboot, I'd yes. like to call it. And I'm like looking Earth forward too. to it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm telling you, I I love this book. I've not had any problems. I did have a little issue last uh, month with the art, but I still love the issue. Um, but that said, I gave it a nine point five out of ten, nice. which seems to be like a. a thing this week i really had a lot of uh big books like a lot of big scores which is odd because i've been very um i can't even explain it no no (laughs) no this week i've been down i uh i did what one review on wednesday yep one on thursday Uh none on friday i i don't know it the inspiration this week for me and the review thing a little behind the curtain talk 
uh, I've been down with the, the books and it has nothing to do with, with anything but I would go to, to read an issue and, and review it and I just, I don't know, I didn't have it in me. Today I've been I, a lot tired lately. Oh, I, I don't maybe know. you've been getting sick, like you said. Yeah, you know, that, I don't know. And um, I think that even though I really enjoyed the books this week, I've had a we both had a couple really bummer weeks. Oh yeah. And I'm telling you, I'm not subconsciously or even consciously, maybe having these books end these arcs and the thing just means in my head that we're that much closer to convergence, and I am not looking forward to that at all. Not at all. I'm no. really I'm dreading it. And that's not what an event's supposed to do, no. make you dread it. <laughs> I mean, are you looking forward to it? Because, again, like I said, now I have to wait three months for Justice League 3000, basically. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like I, like I said, I think I talked about this last week where uh, this is putting my stories on hold, and I do yeah. not want my stories on hold. I don't give yeah. a shit about Convergence. Yeah, no, I don't either. And hopefully when it comes out, I've seen a bunch of previews. Yeah. And, again... Usually I jump on those previews. Uh, we got sent some previews. We don't get exclusives because we're a, a shitty blog that <laughs> DC doesn't uh, respect. But we do get sent uh, a packet of previews, that general That's why previews. Talk about Sally Star. Yeah, mm-hmm. we get that. And I've I've got a bunch of uh, convergence previews. They're covers and one page stuff like that. And you know what? Right to the trash they go. I, I don't really care. I, no. it's, I look at them and think I saw the Booster Gold one today and a couple others, and I just, I, I'm just not, I'm not ready for it, and I don't think I will be. I, uh, but I'm going to try my best because the Future's End event in last September, I kind of went in that with a negative thought and uh like an attitude and i think it did affect my first week reviews oh i think it did yeah i shouldn't you know admit that but i i really i thought the event was going to be one thing i kind of went into it with trying to find out information about it and it didn't seem like dc wanted to explain it very well whether it tied into the future zen book whether it did this or that and when i did those first issues uh grayson being one of them uh, I kind of came out a little bit more negative the first week than I should have, and I'm afraid that's going to happen in Convergence because I'm not looking forward to it. I'm going to try to, you know, we're professionals, <laughs> right? We get paid for this. That makes oh, us... Oh, yeah. <laughs> we get paid in uh, missing hours and me getting yelled at by my wife. All that gridlock money. Yep. I get overtime pay with that <laughs> getting yelled at. That Are you doing another review? And when is this thing going to be done, this stupid podcast? <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm shocked that she does, like, half of those letters might be my wife writing in with uh, made-up accounts. <laughs> Just trying to get us down. If I get him that much upset, he won't do it anymore. Actually, I don't mind hate mail. I actually find it kind of funny. Yeah. Well, again, do uh, you have anything else crazy to mention? Because this is the... Um, where we segment or uh, transition into Ryan Brightest Daycare Clark's other side review where he's doing Princess Leia number one. You have any, like, 1940s whores you want to talk about? I'm trying to think about who my family might have banged, but I don't have May, anything off the top May of my West? Head. No, there's no May West. Tallulah Bankhead, maybe? <laughs> Do you know just... who Tallulah Bankhead is? No, no. She's like an head. old, old star. When I would listen to old-time radio... She would be a big person on there. Big star in like the 40s and 30s. I had my first sexual dream at five years old about Elvira. Yeah, Ryan's not going to like this. 
<laughs> and especially because you told me about that dream, and it involves a black ooze that yeah. probably set you back sexually at least a year, right? You you became sexually active at six, right? <laughs> Against my will. No. Whoa. Did um, that involve an ice cream truck and promises of a better day? <laughs> Go check out the very special episode for that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have three. I'm going to have the uh the ice cream truck music going and you'll start <laughs> crying in the corner, weeping. <laughs> it all you turned noticed, out okay, folks. You noticed this week I I laid low on the uh sound effects this week. Yes, I did. I I don't want to do too many sound effects. Okay. Oh. That was all that was was a segue and set up for a sound effect. That's you. So, what, what do we that's have? you what and Elvira. Oh no, Elvira. I love Elvira. Hey, Elvira, what are you doing? Do you think she has a big forehead? Elvira? Yeah. Maybe it's because of the hair. Well, Cassandra Peterson's a redhead naturally who plays her, so. I don't care about what her, oh, because you like the foreheads. I see where you're going. Yes, redheads have big foreheads. She kind of does have a big forehead. Mm. It's like you would like like half of the uh, the apes from Planet of the Apes. You mean the orangutans? Yeah. They got Dr. red hair. And Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas has a big forehead, right? Yeah, it's yeah. got a big something else too from the porns I watch. But we're kind of getting the, the Ryan Brightest Daycare Clarks. Like, where is this going? Uh, you know where it's going? It's going right into the other side with Brightest Daycare Ryan Clark, and he's gonna do Princess Leia number one. All right. You gonna read that one? Yes, I intend to. You won't read it. <laughs> You're such full of crap. Hey, All I right. intend to do a lot of things. You know why I'm not going to read it? Because I'm going to wait right now for Ryan to tell me about it. All right. Take it away, Ryan. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of The Other Side, a segment of the Weird Science DC Comics podcast hosted by me, Ryan Brightest Daycare Clark, and brought to you unofficially, officially by Gridlock Energy Drink. Oh, that is a liquid beverage. Ah. This week, the uh, segment I'm doing is on Marvel Star Wars Princess Leia number one, written by Mark Wade with art by Terry and Rachel Dodson. Uh, this issue starts with uh, the medal ceremony, which is the final uh, scene in Star Wars A New Hope. Um, and it starts following her in the wake of the rebel victory and the destruction of her home planet. Through the early parts of the issue, she's kind of seen as aloof or cold and is called as much behind her back. A couple different people refer to her as an ice princess, which I think Han might have used in one of the movies, too, probably on Hoth. I mean, he's not very good with puns. Um... Through the issue, we get some brief dialogue with her and Admiral Akbar, which is neat to see him getting a little bit more um, screen time, even though it's not a screen for this issue. And we get to have a little interaction with Princess Leia and General Dodonna, who outlines the fact that she kind of needs to take a back seat in the Rebel Alliance starting out because there's a $100 million credit bounty that's been put on her head and so they kind of don't want her to be in the forefront of anything because she's a huge target um but she being the willful 
princess that she is decides that she needs to go out to find the remaining and disparate Alderanians spread out across the universe and bring them back into the fold. And uh, she meets a fighter pilot named Yvonne, who I kind of um, see as being like um, the female knight from Game of Thrones and Princess Leia being Arya. Their relationship is very friendly, but not a friendship because it's still very stilted and has that formality to it, but it's really fun. And from the outside looking in, there's actually a lot of cute, humorous moments to it. Uh, the way this issue ended really surprised me, uh, not to give anything away, um, but it, it's really what, what did it for me. I was not as um, passionate about this book to the first half, and the second half really made me like it a lot more. Uh, I do really like basically anything Mark Wade writes, so I'm a bit of a fanboy in that regard. Uh, and the Dotson's art is really, really top-notch. And even though their art wouldn't really fit for a Han Solo book, where he's, you know, kind of scruffy and, and manly, it works really well. Um, as a book that focuses on her worshipfulness. And I think that really it adds a lot to this book. Um, of the three main Star Wars titles, I was least excited for this book. Um, and even though the Princess Leia book is a mini-series, they're packing a lot in all at once. But again, the way this book, the first issue ended, and the things that it has going for it, uh, really enjoyed it, and I will definitely be back to check out more from Princess Leia and uh, recommend that everybody out there go read it too. Um, and you can find me, Brightest Daycare, on Twitter at BDC Comics. I'm also on Tumblr at brightestdaycare.tumblr.com. And as of late, I've also added Facebook and Google Plus pages, which you can find under Brightest Daycare. And we can talk more comics and reviews and tell me, again, why I should be reading more DC books, because I'm not reading hardly any at this point. And I will see you on the other side. And that was Ryan Clark's segment. Did Princess Leia, like I said before there, you're never going to read it. I might. I don't think you'll read that, or Darth Vader, or any of the other Star Wars. Uh, I'd like just to. In, I know <laughs> you would, but you won't. You haven't even read Star Wars 2, no, or not. any of the Darth Vaders yet. Look, I got a lot of DC comics to read, all right? Yeah, yeah, you do. And speaking of which, we have your next book. Oh, yes. Green Lantern number 40, written by Robert Venditti, with art by Billy Tan, Mark Irwin, and... Tony Avina. Yes. I uh, I really like this book, and it's a complete game changer for the way we think of Green Lantern. Now, in the last issue, we ended with this whole thing where, you know, the universe hates the Green Lantern Corps ever since Uprising when the Durlin, you know, in, um, like uh, made himself look like Hal Jordan and put that broadcast all over the universe. And I thought at the end that Hal Jordan was going to go on some, like, goodwill missions and, like, be, have, like, throw parades and shit, be the face of the Green Lantern Corps yeah. and, like, try to get goodwill back. No, no. I was completely wrong. Turns out the Guardian's plan 
is to vilify Hal Jordan. I mean, like, and he, he has to be in on it. You know, it's like he's going to become the face of evil that the Green Lantern Corps has to overcome since it was his face that was broadcast mm-hmm. over the universe before. And so he talks to Kilowog. He's like, you know what? I got to do this so the Corps can survive and people will trust us again. I will become the problem that you have to overcome. And you guys will be solid. I'll take all the heat. It's like I even put in my uh, the header for my review. It's like he's uh, the hero the universe deserves, not just not the one it needs right now from the Batman, uh, the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Freaking, you just still don't like that movie. You're the, you're no, I don't. I, I do, uh, I do, but I don't. It's not my favorite, and I know everybody kills me because of that. But it's it's not my favorite. Well, I just thought it was a good way to like. Actually, that's what it reminded me of too. Yeah, I mean, he has it, to take the he has to take the heat for all the shit. Yeah, there's this. It happens a lot of times in in things. Uh, it happens a lot in sports where a coach will uh, decide that the only way to bring his team together is by they have to have a common enemy, and it makes yeah. it himself, which was in the movie Miracle. That's what uh, Herb Brooks did for yes. the uh, 1980 Olympic team. He knew that these guys were all. You know, from all different schools that they hated each other, whatnot, so that he became the enemy that they could all focus on. That's what actually it reminded me of. God, that's a good movie. Yeah, I like that movie. That was a good one. But now, how let's Kilwag get on the secret? Because he needs somebody there when he goes all rogue. So he goes into the Green Lantern Vault and steals the Gauntlet of Krona. Mm-hmm. And Kilwag, you know. Hal is his best friend, and he does not want this shit to go down. So he actually makes him like, if you're going to do this, you've got to do it real. So they actually go to blows. Kilowog's not going to let him go unless he beats yeah. him. Do you, do you get the idea that it's like one of those uh, like setup things where he just wants to be found beat up? Or do you think he thinks there's video of it? Or um, you know what I mean? Why he did that? Because if there's video of it, they, they hug at the end. <laughs> oh, not even, I don't think there's video. It's just like I don't think I really don't want think he wanted to pull a Fight Club on it. It's and, so uh, it, it, actually I like the scene, but it, it just seemed a little odd to me. I don't know. I was really upset though at first because I actually thought that Hal killed. Yeah, Kilo. yeah. I think Hal thought that too. I went back and looked to make sure I didn't see a fucking ring fly away because yeah, I was yeah. terrified. Because back in uh, during Emerald Twilight, when Hal went evil and became Parallax, he actually killed Kilowog. Yeah. 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 And I, I was terrified because that's what it reminded me of. This whole thing was like uh, it just gave me this nostalgic feel to Emerald Twilight when the two fought. Well, and you realize when when they do hug after the fight, I'm looking at it right now, and it's it's kind of like they make it obvious the ring. Uh, he's hugging Kilowog, yeah. and he's there, and the ring is like prominent there. So that that's why I put that picture know. in my review. Yeah, so you know that yeah he didn't die. But uh, then Hal do- goes off, he leaves his ring behind so he can't be tracked, and he has the, the gauntlet of Krona, which is, you know, it has a backpack and this whole thing to the gauntlet, mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to, like, uh, it's its own battery. Yeah. He can't be tracked by the Green Lantern Corps. Now it's just a whole new, like, status quo for the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. I really like this issue, just because, you know, now we're going to have to take this break with Convergence, but when it comes back, it's a, it's keeping the series fresh. You know, it's... Hal's no longer the Green Lantern Corps leader, which, you know, was a new thing they did before yep. to try to keep the series fresh. I wasn't a fan of that. So now it's Hal back on his own, being the bad guy. And I really dig it. I dug the art, which you said you did not like. but no, I like the art. I did not like a couple of the times where they show Hal uh, without the uh, mask on. That's the only thing I didn't understand because it went back and forth throughout this issue where he saw Hal in his like jeans and t-shirt, then he would have the costume like appear on him, then it would go off, fade off yeah. again. I just didn't understand why it was going back and forth mm-hmm. like that. 
what was the last thing I wanted yeah, to I'm talk Yeah, I'm looking about? at it now. The only thing I can think is he, he put the – it is the gauntlet, right? Yes. Uh, he put the gauntlet on. He still had the, the jeans and shirt. And then as it went on, possibly as the gauntlet was kind of powering up with him or assimilating him. I don't know how the gauntlet works, actually. I feel dumb. but uh, it's, It just it's, uh, it allows him to, like, to access the, so uh, I, the emotional spectrum of will. Yeah, when I'm looking at it, it's like then it seems like that's when he got the costume on as he started. But then it, but then it fades away at the end when yeah. he's leaving Mogo. Well, yeah, he's Mogo. leaving uh, Mogo. And then, yes, then it's not on. And then, it, yeah, I, I don't know, except that possibly that is him basically – Leaving the Green Lantern Corps behind. There goes yeah, the, that's, the costume. That's a symbolism of because, that. Yeah, I, I just didn't understand back and forth like that. Yeah. Um, I like Mogo. I thought he was pretty <laughs> yeah. funny. I, uh, do you get the idea that Mogo let him go? No, I do not. At, at one point, he kind of pauses when he says to Salak, uh, I was looking for it. He's like, uh, I'm sorry. I, uh, and then he pauses. And it's, here, it's, I apologize, Leonard Sarek. I was unable to place him in the custody due to N. And then it's like dot, 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 immense surge of spectrum energy. And it, to me, it kind of was like a pause because he I, I come think, up with an excuse. Yeah, I think he was making an excuse. <laughs> I think he let him go. I think that well, because he, he says to Mogo, I think Mogo lets him go. Well, it's quite possible because the Guardians and Hal talked about this. And Mogo being the, the whole planet, he probably overheard. Yeah, yeah. And again, so he knows the, he knows the score. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I liked it. And do you think that then the Green Lantern book is going to be Hal gone or is gone or is Hal part of the Lost Army? Um, no, I, I think it's just going to be Hal like doing his own thing as the Green Lantern Corps pursues him. You think that's what the proper Green Lantern book yes. will be? And then that's what I believe. You don't think that has to do with the Lost Army? Maybe Hal going to find uh, Guy Gardner and uh, John Stewart and those guys. God, I hope so, but that I do not think cool. I don't think it'll be anything about yeah, it. Yeah, because I still this Lost Army book just seems odd. Now that uh, Hal has gone off and gone on his own, that kind of is maybe a Lost Army. You have a bunch of yeah. uh, rogue lanterns that are going to try to go around. People who were part of the core who aren't anymore. And try to go around the universe and try to make things right to help out, you know, the image and stuff like that. Or it's that they're being pursued, like you said. It's there. He's Hal's going to be pursued by the Green Lanterns now. Yes. With Kilowog knowing all along that that's what he wants, so it'll be a pretty cool thing watching Kilowog's reaction and how he deals with it. Yeah. Uh, the thing I really liked about the art, though, is because we talked about that big hug when he knocks Kilowog yeah, out, yeah. and I thought he was dead. But um, like you were you were saying before in another uh, one of the previous issues, how you didn't like it because of the lack of backgrounds. Yeah. Because you you like you like a good back. I really dug the fact that Billy Tan kept backgrounds out of this during their fight because it was more about the like about the, the focus fight. on the relationship and like yeah. how Kilowog's making him do this because he is his best mm -hmm. friend. So like I said, uh, I I like background. If it doesn't have, if there's a reason, <coughs> I'm all for it. It's when they. Uh, you know, it's sometimes when it just looks like it's, oh, we got to get this issue done, and let's do that. But no, yeah. I did like the, the fight, because like you said, it's all about them. But I, I liked all the art on this. Uh, it was really good in my, uh, to me. You know, it's, I gave this issue a 9 out of 10, yeah, and I, I can't wait to see what happens in June. Yeah, I would, I would have given it an 8.5 probably. But yeah, I, I'm pretty you know pumped to see what happens see what happens in june this is one of the books that the way it ended here it's like really cool to guess and and wonder what's how it's going to open up in june yeah i just 
I don't know what the hell the fate of the Green Lantern Corps is going to be, especially with this Lost Army. I, I need some goddamn background with this yeah, Lost yeah. Army. Well, I guess we're going to have to wait till one of the whatever Convergence book has the Lost Army preview. Oh, yeah. And then we'll know if how. I forgot all about those pre- yeah, uh, previews. Yeah. That'll be the big thing to to see. You know, Lost Army is one of the one. It's so open ended that we have yeah. no idea. It doesn't give you any. You know, if it was something called like Green Lantern Corps Beginning or Rebirth, or, then you're like, okay, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, or whatever, new, new, new Guardians. <laughs> but no, we're gonna have to see what it means. I just really hope, like I'm saying, Guy Gardner is your favorite uh, Lantern. Yeah, Kyle Rayner's yeah. mine. I want Kyle Rayner in the freaking DC universe still. Yeah. So I'm really hoping it has something to do yep. with that. Uh, you wouldn't think that they just disappear. I would hope not. So, Well, on to the next book. What do you got? I have Harley Quinn number 15. All right. And that's written by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. Art by Chad Harden and John Timms. And it's another one that... It looks like we're about to get a story that will lead into a new arc in June as well. And what has happened, there was also, uh, obviously, my big, the big thing that I loved in Harley was Harley Quinn and Power Girl team up a couple issues ago. And obviously, I was not the only one because that's going to be one of the six issue minis coming in June. But in the standard book here, what has happened is after Power Girl left, left uh, Harley on her own harley kind of has been i don't know she got the taste of being a hero (laughs) she's also a roller derby pro she's a pet owner a landlord a psychiatrist uh a lot of things there's a lot a lot of things on her uh plate one of the things being uh she was trying to go on a date with mason uh, the guy in the, the book, and everything's falling apart. She just doesn't have the time to do it. She, of, of course, half the problem is the way she goes about things. She's, she's a nut. She's crazy. So she can't just say, okay, I'm going to buy a, another pet. She has like 8 million pets. They had to make a catapult to <laughs> shoot the crap from the pets across you know, New York. So yeah. it, she's already having problems, so she goes and buys, what, what was it, like 122 birds? She that goes, and then like... Fifteen hundred dollars, like uh, some enormous amount of pet food. Pet food. So uh, she just can't do things the right way. So she she's doing all this, and then she's walking home with this crazy amount of pet food, and she passes a building that's on fire, and she goes in, saves the people in there in her own crazy way from a pretty cool villain. I like it's Tinderbox. Which no, is no, funny. it is not because Tinderbox is no, Doctor Fox's daughter. Said. It's <laughs> funny that it's Tinderbox because Tinderbox was in the Gotham Underground and Catwoman, one of the worst <laughs> villains ever. So I, I kind of like Tinderbox here, though. He uh, he came off as like a fire shooting Bane. To he's me. gonna be the he's gonna be the next uh, fire one in the Rogues and Flash. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> the thing that I I loved or hated was Harley doesn't move on him. That is something that. I'm telling you, from a young kid, I was so afraid of somebody doing it. And the weird thing is, is within this past month, I mentioned it to Ben at work, right. that 
I always am afraid that somebody's going to slice the back of my knees. <laughs> and I'm telling you, there. I know that like the Achilles down there, yeah, that would be that, bad. I'm all weirded but, out man, about. sliced behind the knees, it's always been a fear of mine. I don't know why because I'm usually not in a situation where somebody's going to slice the back of my knees. But not man, as short as you are. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. Some freaking big <laughs> Tony in the book, the freaking dwarf, he could do it. But in the meantime, Harley saves these, these people in the craziest way, throws them out a window. They all land on this tinderbox. Tinder yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Then, then saw, she, what's that? After after seeing this though, tinderbox ain't gonna be walking again. No, I, I think I, at, well at one point, like tinderbox seems to up Chuck at one point. Mm-hmm. Not even seems he does. Then when Harley lands on him, I don't know it. It's like his eyeball pops out and maybe his soul. There's the weirdest thing where it looks like his soul is leaving him. But in the meantime, <laughs> I, in in this book, Harley loves. People thinking she's a good person. She wants to be a good person. She's just all the crazy stuff that has happened to her. She just can't seem to do it the right way. The intention is there. Her heart's there. But in practice, she's just she's awful. But during this whole issue, you get these weird vignettes of these other girls around New York. And it came off. uh, The first one starts off the book. And you get this weird idea, like, who are these people? And the first one's this girl from Harlem, this Antonia. She's talking with her friends. A guy hits on her, and she, like, she smacks him or something. But in, after, after Harley saves uh, the people in this building, they go to this Indian restaurant. And I'm telling you, this is one of the, the, the most awful scenes I've ever seen. It has nothing to do with what this girl Shauna does. It's these people. Oh yeah, that I go, wanted to murder these oh, people. These when people I read this. in this in this Indian restaurant are the worst people. Now you get the idea they're they're mob people. I just that, got the fact that they were yuppies in suits going back to their fucking business. Uh, okay, or whatever, I get you know? the I get the idea that I for some reason I got the idea that they're mob people because in fact they're they're like yelling that they're going to come back and and beat the crap out of them or something but even no, if they're, they're gonna call the cops yeah they are gonna call the cops okay for some reason the one guy this bald big guy it just uh came off to me like a mob guy but you're probably right they're just they're just jerks so they're there at this restaurant thinking they're cool and they're just awful to this girl's mom and they are they're racist they they're just awful and the grandmother calls the shauna she comes out with this bat and just <laughs> proceeds to just headbutts the one girl, and that girl is missing teeth now. Looks maybe like uh, Paul at our work did, two teeth, <laughs> bleeding all over. Hits a guy with hits the guy's uh, phone with the bat. They run away. It looks like the one girl has a broken nose and the teeth and all. And this girl is like, she's evil, but she's good because what she's doing. I'm you telling know, you though, I, this made me so happy to see her taking the, oh, the yeah. kicking the shit out of these I people said, just because already, how like elitist and awful they oh, are. Yeah. Already, I put in my my notes and in my review. One of my favorite characters uh, right now yeah. is the Shauna. I know nothing about her. She's awesome. She you know, and then at the end, her grandma's nice to her and she's all happy. But in the meantime, you have Harley again. She has to go. Her food was dog food and all the cat food. All that food was stolen, so she has to buy more. Goes back to her apartment, and there's Poison Ivy. And again, you get the craziest scene there. It, it's, you know, it gets a little sexy. It's really sexy. Yeah. I have no idea why she's concerned about Mason when she's on top of Poison Ivy yeah. here. And she's talking about, is that your hand? Is that your hand? Yeah. Are you going like, to get off? Are you going to get you, off? Yeah, they get I'm a like, little whoa, drunk. Whoa. They're going, and then, and then Mason knocks on the door. Uh, 
Harley answers. Uh, they're both in nighties. Uh, it's just crazy. And uh, I did like the scene where Crazy's Mason sexy. Mason has brought uh, roses, and Poison Ivy grabs him like I can save them still. It's pretty good. But overall, the elk. Oh, I'm, I'm getting to the end, but I'm not. Um, Poison Ivy says to Harley, "Okay, listen. You told me all your problems. You have this. You, you need a personal assistant." Of course, Harley thinks that Poison Ivy means her, but she doesn't. So what they do is they send out a like an internet uh, job uh, ad, and a bunch of people apply. So it looks like 12 people uh, apply, and they're going to form what I would assume is the Harley Super Squad. <laughs> it actually says at the end, uh, next, the Gang of Harleys. So you got these, these women, one of which is so overly violent already that I cannot wait to see... I have a feeling the Shauna, who I love, is going to have the problem where Harley even thinks she's too over the top. But you get a uh, a girl, you get a uh, Asian girl who obviously, it's, and it even says that a working knowledge of weapons is a plus, and she's got the craziest grin on her <laughs> face where she's there with a stuffed animal and then swords hanging in the background. Uh, but yeah, it looks like everybody's going to apply. And they're going to have a bunch of Harleys that they're going to go and do. And like I said, Harley's trying to do good. Uh, it's going to end up crazy. And I hope that this is a story that just doesn't end the next issue, which I believe there'd be one more issue before Convergence. I hope this carries over. But I, I have a sneaking suspicion that it'll end in one issue, and I'll be very upset. It'd be an odd thing to start this up right before this uh, break. But I hope it would because this book I love Harley. I love the you know the fart jokes, all that. But what I do love about it is when there's a story behind it, actually gets it really good. Yeah. And um, after Power Girl left, there has been the story of Harley trying to get her life together, but it hasn't really gone gone very far. So I hope that this is a story that's you know equal to the Power Girl one. I didn't actually do it, but after I got done reading this book. I really wanted to check out if there was like an off the books like work website you could look yeah, at. Yeah, I know. It's funny. It is off the books. I like that term too. Because you know, you're on the books. You're on the books. Yeah. I, I gave it a 9 out of 10. I, yeah, I really it was good. It. I, I'm saying I, I just get like, I like this issue because I don't read Harley very often. Yeah. Uh, I, that's what I'm saying. I even gave the book to you to review because all the nonsense, I needed a story and there was none there when I was reviewing Harley. Yeah, I mentioned it in the beginning of my review. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed this. It's just that I, w I could see it like wearing on me eventually if it just kept going the same route. Well, that's the thing is um, the book's great. Like you can really just pick it up at any time and read an issue. Yeah. And that's all fine and good. But like you said, without a story to back it up, you just can take enough of, you know, crazy Harley doing this and that and, you know, the animals and the, the crazy you know freak I, you show. You know what I equated to? What's that? To our podcast where people want to hear the comics and then we talk about nonsense yeah, forever. Yeah, they're like, we need some, <laughs> you need some direction, guys. <laughs> but that's, that was that. It's, again, if you like Harley already, you're going to love it. And if you're on the fence... I'd wait, you know, one more thing to see where, one more issue to see if this is going to be another one of those stories kicking off. I was surprised, though, because normally I like Chad Harden's artwork. I wasn't really, like, a fan of this, uh, the artwork of this issue, though. Yeah, I, I liked it. I, um, it's, it's weird because in the whole series, it seems to go back and forth. I do like his, his art a lot, uh, usually, 
But yeah, yeah. this is probably not his strongest issue, but I, I did <laughs> like it. I, I like Tinderbox a lot. Um, again, Harley has a weird thing where I've, I said it to you when you were reviewing it that she seems to change her look. Not she always has a different look. Right. Each issue, like sometimes she's like real thin, sometimes she, you know, yeah, yeah, no. Harper Rowe, whoever, you know, anybody who draws her, draws her so different that uh, nobody's gotten a grip on who has the best version yet, <laughs> is what I equate it to. I think but, Brett Booth has the best version. Yeah, yeah. Well, that character he put up on oh, Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was good. I <laughs> like that. Uh, what's your next book? Swamp Thing, isn't it? Yes, Swamp Thing number 40, written by Charles Sewell with art by Jesus Saez, Javi Pina, and Jun Chung. This yeah. is the final issue of Swamp Thing. It's not the penultimate issue? It is not the penultimate. It is mm. the final issue. Yes, it's the final issue. It's sad. And the weird part is, I was, I like, I haven't always read Swamp Thing. Like, you started, when we started the site, you were reviewed all the Swamp Things, mm-hmm. and I took it over when you fell behind the one time. Yep. And, and I it was really, right at the machine. The, yeah, the, the beginning of the Machine was. Queen story. Yep. So like five months ago, I guess. Yep. Uh, possibly six. But I really enjoyed what I've read. And I'm actually kind of, I'm really sad to see this book go. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because it is the final issue. And it's the conclusion to the Machine Queen story arc. It's a great conclusion to the Machine Queen story arc. But it's not a very good final issue in my eyes. Well, I I thought they left it very open-ended. So that obviously he's going to be in whatever, uh, what is it, dark... Uh, Dark Universe, whatever. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah, the the Justice League Dark, what they turned it into. Isn't that the one Dark Universe they're going to have? If, I, if it is, I don't yeah, even know. I, you like, know it's the, like Green Lantern Lost Army. Yeah, me. yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're going to have to leave it open-ended because Swamp Thing's going to be out and about in a bunch of different books. But yeah, I, I agree, though, that it was a great ending to The Machine Queen. Uh, but yeah, as an ending to the series itself, it's it's very open-ended and odd at the end. But it's good, though, because at the end of the last issue, like, uh, Arcane poisoned the green, and as a last resort, uh, Alec, like, uh, brought back every avatar that's ever been in the green mm-hmm. as his army. So we got, like, Cedar, we have the that the, the Swamp Thing that wasn't Alec Holland before, that then it became Alec Holland through well, uh, Scott Snyder series. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I'm sorry, we had every single one, and they're like, we're going to march to war. And for some reason, that war takes place in the Gobi Desert. Yeah, and it's just Avatar bloodshed left and right with an awesome Triceratops. And, yeah, it was, that was really cool. <laughs> but what I really don't get is that Swamp Thing realizes that Machine Queen wants him, so he's gonna, like he wants him to distract while he gets away, and he flies up in the air, fights a few unmanned machines, and immediately crashes through a window of a Philadelphia library. Yep. That's, that's like 3,000 miles away. You've I done that, right? You, on the way to work, you get lost a little, head in the Gobi Desert, and then come back? Yeah. Well, I'm saying, the Philadelphia Library is not that far away from me. So I'm no, actually curious. I want to find where this library is so I can find the story of Swamp Thing, which i got to get to here. Where Swamp Thing, realizing, oh my God, where am I? Hey, this book... That's made of like you know wood, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden he sucked into the book. Which I read everything that the book was open. Everything it was the story of what was going on at that very moment. Yeah, yeah. It was as if this book had already been written. The story. It is the read, story of Swamp or Thing. It writes it as as it yeah, goes. Yeah, it's a never-ending story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Swamp Thing gets pulled into this other realm, and we find out that this other realm is actually like the kingdom of creativity wherever whatever people create it goes here art music sculptures you know writing it's all here yep 
And this very odd character just comes out and says, you know what, you, this is the story of your life, and you know what, you don't have to go back to it. Some, let somebody else finish it. You can stay here. And then Swamp Thing says, no, I got to go, and my friends are out there. I got to finish this my way. And he leaves. But it was very odd to introduce this new realm of kingdom in this final issue. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me. They tried to get kind of like like a little out there with the storytelling. I don't know if it was that or um... – it was something he always wanted to do and was planning on doing eventually and never got the chance to and wanted to throw it in there. And it was very odd because it, I really felt it threw off the entire like rhythm of the book. Now, one thing, I, when I did review it, I had mentioned a, long, a lot, and I had mentioned to you when we talk about things, that I thought that Charles Soule did a great job of expanding the mythos of Swamp Thing. And I said to you that with all these kingdoms and stuff like that, that I thought it was a lot like what Jeff Johns did with the Green Lantern Corps when he right. made the, as you call them, the Skittle Lanterns. Yeah. And I thought that that was really neat. And again, um, when he ended with this, and ha I, I want to see more of it. And I, I guess you, you called it what? What did you call it? I called, I, I, guys, I struggled with what I was going to call this kingdom. Like, uh, I, I was going to say the creativity, but I finally just went with the art. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, uh, Jody on the site called it the creativity. Yeah, right? stole your thunder. No, not really. I was, it was, I was really struggling with what I was going to call this goddamn thing. Mm -hmm. But then Swamp Thing leaves. He just, and that's the thing. Immediately after leaving this kingdom, just goes back, kills Machine Queen immediately. Mm -hmm. It's just done. And well, one of the other things that I thought was neat was at the point where the creativity, the avatar of creativity tells him that he doesn't have a lot of pages left that he might want to come back soon. It yeah. was kind of a odd like meta meta moment where it's kind of like what this book is. The book's yeah. ending. You don't have a lot of time left. I really like that. I thought that was really, it, really cool. It was cool. just a very odd installment for me, though, to freaking deal with this whole thing. And, you know, we're dealing with the conclusion. That's what I'm saying. That, that added to it actually took away from the book, in my opinion. Because, like, this was never the final issue to me. This was the conclusion of the Machine Queen story. Yeah, yeah. Especially after seeing the end, because, you know, he, he destroys the Machine Queen. Yeah, and that one thing, like you said, I really do like this as the end of the Machine Queen uh, story, but... It definitely seemed rushed at the very end when he kills yeah. her. Uh, like, all of a sudden, we're like, okay, you know what? We have four pages left. We better get to this and kill <laughs> her. And it's immediately. He grows yeah. a tree out of her, tears her apart. And then the end, you know? turns her into uh, one of those crazy uh, dog robot things. No, that's not even her. That is the actual the rhythm itself. Okay, what is I, about okay. I actually thought it was still her. No, the Swamp Thing went, like, the Justice League went into the machines, like, the Rhythms uh, yeah, headquarters, yeah, yeah. and they wiped everything, and all that's left of this this new kingdom, he put into this little robotic dog that plugs okay. in, and he tells the robotic like dog, like, the eye dog. Yeah, this is what's left. I understand you're children. You're new to this. Okay. I, I'm not in the business of killing children, so whenever you want to leave again, you can just do it, because he plugs it into yeah. the wall. He's like, I you can leave whenever you want. It was way above my head. Okay, I, was, I, I was reading it. I'm, I was trying to get it done for for tonight, and uh, right. yeah, I'm like, I now I look at it, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, now I get it. Uh, this is actually my favorite part of the story. It's oh, like, yeah. look, you're young. Once you can play with others, you're welcome to come back, and we'll accept you in. But if you come back and try to do any of this nonsense again, I will destroy you. Mm -hmm. And it's the robot dog looks over to the freaking uh, the outlet, and I really died. And that's I did. Yeah, I was with. just looking at that. That's that's pretty cool. 
I really dug that little thing because, you know, it is a new kingdom. He could have mm -hmm. destroyed it like he should have done for the yeah. beginning. That's and you know what? He probably should have killed it this time, too. Yeah, it always comes to bite you at the end. I don't yeah. know. That's what makes Swamp Thing a hero. I, I really dug this. And at the end, it's just he goes back to being Swamp Thing. You know, uh, Abby's there with uh, what's his Grav. Yep. Uh, just talking. And he's sitting there reading a book at the end. And it's, um, yeah. I got to read this. 100 Years uh, of Solitude. Yeah, see, I never yeah. read the book. I don't know if yeah. there's significant. I'm sure there's. Oh significant yeah, it's a huge. It, but... It's a that's that's just a huge book. Yeah, and I say you know, I don't know it though. And he looks very content. Yeah, and I say it's not a real ending. It's a great ending to the Machine Queen story, but not to a series. The only thing it's missing is the question mark after the end to make it cliched at the end. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they always I do that. I was actually a little pissed off, though, that we didn't have Animal Man in this. Yeah, actually, when they said that they were going to go and, and they but, talked yeah, the about red. the red, I thought that Animal Man was going to show up and it would have been that would have put it over the top. Yeah, but no Animal Man. It's just the gray, the rot, and yeah. the machines in the green. Yeah, uh, you know that this is one of those issues that no matter how much I liked or hated it, I would have given it a 10. Yeah, so I gave it an 8.5 out of yeah. 10. It, I enjoyed it. The issue like... itself, I would give an 8. Yeah. But I would have given it a 10 anyway because it was the end of, of the, the series and I loved Swamp Thing. Yeah, I love the art and I'm telling you, besides for that introduction to that new kingdom, I really enjoyed the story because yeah, yeah. it is just the final battle. This is the conclusion. You know what it's actually like? I wanted to talk about this. I almost forgot. You you watched all Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Yeah, yeah. Remember in the final season when out of nowhere – we get to see the Watchers of the Watchers, that group of ladies yeah. who have always watched, and they mm -hmm. have the scythe that they give the Buffy. It was like, and now no more surprises. Like, this thing is just introduced out of nowhere so we can finish yeah. the story. Well, yeah, because, it, you know, <laughs> you have all these ideas in the story, and then all of a sudden you're told you have to end. And that's and the thing that always cool felt thing. out of place to me to, yeah. in Buffy, though. You're like, here's the scythe, and then, the, like, Nathan Fillion comes and kills the last one of these Watchers of the Watchers. And it's all over. And now she just has to scythe. Now we can end it. That's what this whole new kingdom was to me. It was this mm -hmm. like uh, final season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, it's like you said. I know that I I really liked it. I thought that it was cool. I wish that we would have gotten more of that. And... Yeah, I'm saying I'm gonna miss Swamp Thing. And actually, I'm saying at first I was really wary about uh, reviewing it and reading it all the time. I really ended up enjoying it. Yeah. Well, uh, my next book is one I didn't enjoy. You said you did, though, and it's Batman Eternal. Yeah, uh, I time Batman Eternal number 48, and it's written by one of my favorite writers, Kyle Higgins, and yep. art by one of my favorite uh, artists, Fernando Blanco. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, those two are two of my favorites in all of comics, and I have to tell you that the art in this is awesome. Uh, I, Fernando I Blanco it. and uh, the colorist on Marcelo Maialo, it, awesome. They do such a good job. I just have a problem, and the problem isn't with any anything that Kyle Higgins really did or didn't do or Fernando Blanco did or didn't do. The problem I have is this book is, again, it's these jarring transitions between creative teams. You have uh, three issues by Tim Seeley, and, and I'll give you how it is. is uh, Tim Seeley goes on the book. The first issue I was really like, oh, I don't like this. And then you start to get used to a writer – and, and not really art team because it seems to change every book. Yeah. But you get used to things, and then all of a sudden, it, boom, different characters, different things, different. And what I, I said in my review, I believe I said it, but what it is, it's not even just the characters. What it it's is. The, <laughs> what it is, the focus of the book. Uh, Tim Seeley had a real big focus on this whole storyline with the Gotham villains. 
getting the like I said, winning the lottery, getting a lot of right. money, resources, and what they would do with it. It seemed to be very important. It doesn't seem that important anymore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Remember at the end of last issue, uh, Julia Pennyworth sent the uh, Bat Family out to kind of keep an eye on what these what the Gotham Rogues were doing with this stuff. And, you know, you had one of the coolest things I thought leading into this issue was Batgirl heading off to the fun house where yeah. uh her dad Jim Joker. Gordon was yeah. uh you know, Joker tried to drive nuts. And the killing joke, yeah. Yes, yeah. So it was I mean, really cool. How fun. how cool is that that you're like, Oh my god, this is and it's Joker's daughter. I hate her, but this makes sense. She's gonna try to draw that and again I say this, she's going to try to drop. How does she know that Batgirl's showing up there? <laughs> you know what I mean? If, time, if, anybody, if anybody was nice, like you have uh, Red Robin going to Clayface. Well, no, they talked about it. They yeah, but, but about Red it Robin might have said, hey, you know, I don't care what you say. I'll go there. You deal with Clayface. But no, of course, Batgirl's going there because you think it's going to be some crazy thing. Uh, I wouldn't have even minded if they waited a little this issue you didn't even see it and next issue somehow Jim Gordon's there and right. she has to go in you know something but what you get in this issue is a couple panels of the Bat family fighting the different rogues they're at you got uh, Batwing blowing up drones you got Red Robin he's hitting Clayface you got all of a sudden out of nowhere there's Joker's daughter fighting Batgirl and it, it's yep. just so like, oh, I have to deal with this? Okay. And all it is is a setup for the big thing in this is that Hush is in control of the Bat computer. And he basically doo, 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 hits about three buttons, and <laughs> all of the tech that they have goes haywire. And then the tables turn, and now the rogues are beating the crap out of the Bat family. I want to know why Batman's computer is in control of Red Robin's wings. Yeah, I, you know what? I want to know what's in control of Batman not having any sort of... The guy has a failsafe for everything, but doesn't have this? You know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, that it, they can't stop it? Like, I would think that you think Red Robin's wings, you think that Red Robin would have a way to go hit something to... Uh, Disable that yeah. and yeah. then be able to do whatever he wants and have all of those. They should all have fail safes that this should not affect well, it. Well, no, as much. like like uh, Red Hood, all it was was a bunch of his back gear and his utility yeah. belt exploding. exploding. You know, there's no, there's nothing that he could. Well, do he about can't that. do it. But there's, you know, uh, Harper has that EMP goes, and, you know, and but I, I just it just seems silly to me. Now again, like I Batwing, complain, I can understand. Well, yeah. Well, I complained the last couple issues that the whole thing with these villains is silly, and now it, it's even more silly because it's just a setup to me to show that Hush is in control. And well, I have another. I, I think this whole shipment to the villains is actually a big distraction to get all the heroes busy doing yeah, something. Yeah, that's true. You know, I like mean, I'm saying, because like but, this whole thing on Blackgate. But they make it seem like. It's going to be a co like I don't mind it being a distraction, but it seemed like some of the things were going to be really cool. And like the Batgirl stuff, like, right? it's not like Mr. Freeze. Like Mr. He's going to chew. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, the other issue, and I went back to check. There's a weird thing with Red Hood, where he's in the bar at the end of last issue without a mask. Yes, he's there. He in, and I did see when he was in the alley, he had the mask, uh -huh. took the mask off, went in the bar. Bane came out. He's going to fight people with the mecha suit. And, the luchadors. Uh, yeah, and all of a sudden, no luchadors, and yeah. Bat and uh, uh, excuse me, Red Hood with the mask. 
and he's like he's fighting and then all of a stu- all of a sudden this stuff stops starts blowing up and you have a big panel where it's like uh Bane and him ready to dance and geez Bane is humongous in that suit but I don't know it does not make sense to me why no, Bane would be in a mecha suit it bothers me but uh, then you get you get Julia coming out of the bay that that was the big thing remember she got launched in the uh running man yeah. uh bed rocket and she gets out and she, she got realized, yeah, yeah, she got Dawson, you know, uh, see you in only in the reruns or whatever he said to Arnold <laughs> and that, uh, she gets out and like, Oh no, the back computer has been compromised. I got to go find this other one starts running off. I'm assuming to go to Tim Drake's, uh, Robin's nest, but I don't I think, think it's it that obvious. Okay. Well, she's heading off. And then there you go. You get Batman, who, again, through this whole series, you you keep getting these cliffhangers of Batman crashing in vehicles. <laughs> uh, there's no way he's dying. So wh- why even have it? Is uh, Batman Harrison Ford? Uh, he might be. It just keeps crashing everything. <laughs> and maybe that's the problem. Maybe Harrison Ford isn't to blame. Hush keeps going and uh, messing up Harrison Ford's Harrison vehicles. Ford has his own hush. That's yeah, great. he has his own hush, his own Tommy Elliot. Uh, what happens? It actually is a pretty cool deal where Batman steals Hamill. a uh, what's that? It's Mark Hamill. It's Mark Hamill's <laughs> the one who's doing it. <laughs> oh, it's David Prowse. He's, he's pissed, pissed off. He's pissed off that uh, he he wasn't the biggest was, like yeah. uh, star of Star yes, Wars, and his voice wasn't used. But uh, yeah, uh, in a weird, in a cool thing, Batman steals a uh, jet or. He puts an IOU with the bat symbol. I thought I that was like hilarious. That. And I, I actually really like the idea of Batman in the jet. Yeah. Somehow, he's crashing next next issue. <laughs> he's going to go down in a golf course, uh, and he'll him and Harrison Ford will share a, a hospital bed. A bed. I don't know oh. why I said they'd share the bed. <laughs> but then you, you get a little Stephanie Brown. She goes to find Vicki Vale, which, again, Vicki Vale is a big, important part of this book. I could care less. I, I That's don't. The thing. This whole bit actually was—I actually forgot about Stephanie Brown in this book until you just brought it up. Yeah. Because how it's just so small, like a little installment here. Yeah. Well, that's how it's been through the whole yeah. thing. You get little little bits and pieces, but uh, Vicky Vale has all this information against Barden. I—I'll get to the main thing with Bard in a minute, but there is a weird thing where uh, Stephanie Brown keeps talking about Signal Man. Yeah. And then her dad shows up, and basically Cluemaster shows up and basically said, you know, no more spoilers. So are we to believe that Signal Man is the main villain? I don't think that could be. Well, if it is, it'd be the weirdest yeah, guy. As, as she gets it'd be pulled, like Kite Man being the yep. freaking uh, arch nemesis. Yeah, well, she gets pulled out from uh, – her dad pulls her out of the building. They're in a helicopter, and she has a flash drive that falls at Vicky Velsey. So obviously there's going to be the information on there. But it's funny because he's – She's talking about Signal Man, and he says, no spoilers now, girl, and then gets her out of there. Uh, I'm telling you, people might riot if it's <laughs> Signal Man. And again, the best part is is that Riddler was telling Batman that it's so obvious who it is. Signal Man. There's nothing obvious about Signal Man, all right? I, that's what I'm saying. I think that when it's Signal Man is announced as the villain, Batman will just I'll have a panel where he goes up to Riddler, slaps Riddler right in the face, and walks away. He breaks his code, just pulls out a gun and shoots him. He just shoots Riddler. He's like, you son of a bitch. But then you see Batman in the the jet and that's all. But the big, big turning point or the big thing in this issue is Jim Gordon. And the beginning of the issue, you had Bard, who him and uh, the mayor 
crazy about face. All of a sudden, Bard is now, you know, we have to let Jim Gordon out. He's the hero the city needs. And it really came off to me as kind of forced and out of character. To me, by now, I think Bard would have just gotten the hell out of Gotham and just run away. Which the mayor does. And I the told last you, it's time like, I saw Bard, he was like, you know, uh, pocketing that evidence. He was not going to, like, it seemed like he might have been the big bad at that yeah, one point. Yeah. Uh, and now he's all, pro, like, on uh, Team Gordon. Yep. Well, he's on Team Gordon big time. He goes to get the mayor. Mayor, The mayor is taking off like Mayor Quimby out of, uh, uh, out of the city. I'm getting census. out of here. Yeah, it's when the, uh, wasn't that the one with the uh, monorail when he just gets the money and gets the hell out? But, yeah. uh yeah, it's it's just an odd opening, and what it is also, I keep saying what it is. Um, I know. The Penguin gets a call in in uh, Blackgate, basically gives him like an offer he can't refuse, uh-huh. and what it ends up as, there's a riot, and they go to, quote-unquote, get Jim Gordon. I'm convinced they're there to protect him, uh, you know, and it's not, It's I don't even think it's me being clever. I think that we've seen this craziness in this book before with, say, Catwoman getting uh, Stephanie Brown, and she got her to protect her. I think it's kind of the same deal, that if he protects Jim Gordon, he's going to get out. And I have to say, I love the art throughout, but I really didn't like the Penguin. No, I didn't care for issue, I thought he looked crazy. But as it stands, you have the Penguin getting Jim Gordon, uh, all this stuff happening with Hush and control of the back computer, and we only have a couple issues left, and we still don't know who the villain is. And I'm really, really convinced still that the series is going to end with the villain reveal that'll pull into next, uh, the next Batman Eternal Year Two, whatever they're going to call it. Yeah. But I gave it a five, five out of ten. I didn't like See, it. I, I enjoyed this issue way more than you. Yeah, yeah. I, I really I didn't like it. I actually one problem I had though I didn't check the page count when I should have it didn't seem like it went by really fast yeah 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 like it felt like a short issue yeah I'm looking at it now and yeah it's well with the cover and all digitally it's 24 23 pages okay then maybe so it was just I was right center. into that you were, book I you were know. just loving it I don't yeah, yeah. know as I'm paging through it and talking about it, I'm getting more and more angry about it but <laughs> uh, again I just want it to give me something more than it just keeps stringing you along. And uh, hopefully, you know, it better have a final issue or would be better two issues that really kick ass to end it that I'm like, okay, it tied it all together. I, you know, forgive me for doubting you all, the the 800 freaking artists and 900 writers on it. Uh, But right now I'm starting to really get worried. Well, that's the problem with these weekly books is that you they're like saying they're going to last a year for the most part, like this and Future's End. Yep. And they just don't have enough story to do, so they str- they string you along, yep. and like like for like two months there, Future's End was garbage because nothing was happening. Yeah, yeah. Now because they had to like like they had to string it out a little bit longer so they could get to their like you know year mark. Yeah, uh, like you said, yeah, and then I don't know. It has to be planned out more than we think. But it just a lot of times it doesn't think it uh, or it doesn't seem that way, and with yeah. with Batman Eternal, to me it's like you you have a whole bunch of uh, writers who have their own little storylines that have to tie in to each yeah. other, and then you, like a Tim Seeley, you get oh Tim, you're going to do uh, these three issues, and something tells me it's like you know what I really only have enough story for one and a half, 
oh, yeah. let's put some padding. But you also have to, like, you're writing a story, like, Tim Seeley is the one I point out just because he was the last one. We got a full uh, three issues, I believe it was. And he was a big bat wing, Jim Corrigan. He was like that sort of thing, too. And, uh, well, that was, was, Ray, that Fox. was Ray That Fox. was Ray Fox. Yeah. Tim Seeley has a lot of, like, the bat family, whatever. But uh, so what I thought I'm, he had the nanotech. Well, what I was going to say is, yeah, and that was with uh, Harper and uh, and Tim Drake. Tim Drake. What I'm saying, I used him as an example, but what I'm trying to say is you have a lot of writers and then all of a sudden they have to include this other guy's story in a bit. And it just, yeah, like like I was, Ray Fox did a lot of Batwing and Jim Corrigan, but when you're doing that and then somebody's like, well, it's going to lead into Tim Seeley, so you got to throw it. It just, it, it seemed, I'll give him credit, it wasn't a mess, but it did seem to have some, some troubles. Yeah. But, uh, and again, I'm not really enjoying it that much but uh here's another book i really didn't enjoy it's your last book and the last book we're talking about tonight green arrow number 40 written by andrew kreisberg ben sokolowski with art by daniel sampier daniel henriquez and gabe el tabe um this is the last issue for this creative team which a lot of people have not seemed to like yeah it's their last because they're forcing the uh the tv show into the the comic Mm -hmm. you know they're all a big deal with bringing felicity smoke in yeah yeah, um, and this is the ending to the Kingdom series where they introduce John King, and uh, who's the father of Mia Dearden, who was Speedy before the uh, Flashpoint, like the first HIV positive superhero. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing I was a little pissed off about. Like, I'll get into the story, but Mia said in the last issue how she was sick, and which I assume she's HIV positive, which she was prior to the previous continuity. Mm-hmm. Don't have any explanation here at all. Mm-hmm. Not even talked about. I was a little pissed off, but John King, you know, this whole thing, he is the king. Yep, the He's king. He's pretty much got control of all of Seattle. He's bought people. They're his subjects. He can do anything he wants, and we've had this big, long story arc proving it because Green Arrow, no matter what, has not been able to do shit against him. But all it takes is Diggle, like, going through his Rolodex, calling up a bunch of heroes, and them storming King's building and Felicity hacking his server for them to take this dude down. That's yeah. all it took. It's a lot of heroes, though. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, though. That's the only problem, though, is it seems really gimmicky because, you know, we have Batman, and all he does is go to, like, the commissioner and pretty much say, you know what, you're going to, like, you know, take this evidence, and yeah. I don't care if you work for King or not, you're going to fucking, like, bring him down. He comes out of the shadows to do it, yeah. of course. and that's all Batman has to do in this. Yep. But, you know, we have a bunch of other stuff, like Arsenal stuff was fun, and Emiko coming back was fun, um, Katana. And it was just, oh, and Cupid as well. Cupid was really fun too because yeah, I, I don't. She has not been in this yet, uh, but I dug it for that fact. But it was very gimmicky. So they storm the building, they get the information, and then John King calls and says, "You know what? I've got Mia here, and I'm going to kill her if you don't bring Felicity's hard drive to me." Mm-hmm. So Green Arrow has to go meet him, and he takes John King out. That's it. You know, at the one point you think that Mia has turned to the, like, she's become a subject. John King's turned her mm-hmm. because she shoots a uh, green arrow in the back. Mm-hmm. And he goes down and then he's like, I knew I could switch you, sway you to my side. Oh, what you don't know, daddy. Green arrow, where's Kevlar? Green arrow gets back up, takes <laughs> yep. John King it's down. It's like on cue, too. He's waiting yeah. for that line. Yeah, and that's it. And at the end, um, Mia moves in with uh, Oliver and Felicity was offered a job to Argus. She turned down because now she's all team out. Yeah. That is the conclusion, and it is very lackluster. I, I really thought that uh, John King was dead, too. It, it looks like And him. then it's like he is laying in so much blood. And then the next panel, he's just being t- taken into a, a police car. No blood. 
No, I'm sorry, that, that is an ambulance ride right there, sir. <laughs> ambulance ride? I think it's a hearse. But yeah, he goes from that to, I'm telling you, it's the next panel where it looks like he's yelling as he's being taken into a police car. There's no way. It, it seems so odd. Like, they did, like, I don't know. It seems so disjointed. Then he's there, and he's right to being booked. Where are these, where's this blood? He yeah. should be in the hospital. So but, um... weird. It's just very odd because we've had this whole big thing where it brings Felicity in. Yeah, yeah. And we, we've proven that, like, in the last issue, Felicity got arrested and she was sent to a supermax because John King has that kind of influence. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was Green Lantern teaming up with Green Arrow trying to take this guy down. Yeah, Couldn't yeah, do it. Yeah. We've had this whole big buildup, and all it is, oh, I hacked a server, and then I fought him, and he's done. Yeah, and I, I, like, I thought it was funny because Naomi shows up. And she's like, who's this? And, and oh, yeah. about Felicity. And it's almost to me, like, by the end, you realize that Naomi might be back because Felicity's leaving. Because <laughs> she's like, oh, I might go to Argus. No, no, she's not leaving. She's, like, turned oh. uh, Steve Trevor down. I'm she's telling you, Arrow. I actually think that the next creative team, I bet you you don't see Felicity at all. I bet oh, you no, they there's, there's no way that they'll get rid of Felicity. She's too loved as a character I now don't because think of Arrow. In, I don't think in this comic she is. Honestly, I don't care about Naomi. I like Felicity. I like that she's part of the team. Yes, it's become very TV-esque because yeah. she is pretty much the character from the television show. I like her, though. Yeah. I like her part of the team because she adds a bit of wit and the humor that you wouldn't normally have. Especially during like uh, uh, Jeff Lemire's run, there wasn't a lot of humor there, in my opinion. It was and, all very serious. Uh, yeah, they, they. I'm telling you, I don't know what they're going to go with with the next one. I think it's just going to be Oliver and Emiko. That'd be fun. I want Emiko back because I do like the character. But in my mind, it needs to be... And what I'm saying, Mia needs to still be there. So you have Mia, Felicity. The team arrow is just growing. No, oh, and, and I get the idea, too, that this little... Uh, you know, we had, we had always heard, and I don't even know if we actually heard it right away or we even thought it and then it became uh, a fact, but that this creative team was put on... And it was only going to be for a limited time. Yeah, well, and I, think I that really was initially right out right from the gate. When I, they I I really think that they were trying to see if this trying to tie it more into the TV show would help, and it hasn't. I am saying that for the most part, I don't care for the storyline that that much because all it was was a way for them to bring in guest stars to try to sell more books because it's, it's yeah. all gimmicky when yeah. you do that shit. But. I like they're bringing the fun back to the story. I like a fun Green Arrow. No, uh, you're probably pretty pumped because the next creative team, uh, Patrick Zercher's doing That's the art. That's what it was, and we talked about that and, before. Uh, like, ben, I couldn't remember what Patrick Zercher was doing. Ben Percy is doing the writing, and you, right. you do know Ben Percy, which I will tell you, but he's mainly known as a short story writer who does this like gritty, um, weird, like Northwest-based... Um, uh, like a western type like a, almost like a, a spiritual western type stories All right. uh, but the he has worked for DC and he did something you didn't really enjoy he was the one who was writing the detective comics that terminal story when oh, Bucciolato and Manipool like stepped away for a little bit yeah. and they did it they went on break. That, yeah that was him uh, so I'm telling so you, much. I have a feeling just because of his writing stuff like that I think it's going to get uh, very gritty and back to almost what a Jeff Lemire did uh, in his thing, where you get a lot of the um, the spiritual take on 
on the green arrow deal. Uh, this, yeah. you, you know, this one, like you said, when you read these issues with this creative team, they came off more of like an action-packed TV show, yeah. which made sense. That's what they wanted to do, and that's where they got the guys from. Uh, granted, you know, how cool would it have been if that was an issue of Arrow, where you had Lex Luthor and Batman? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like a dream come true for anybody who would, would watch the show. But as a comic, I, you said it, it's gimmicky. And it just it I don't know the whole felicity. I'm telling you, when she was put on the book, there was not big applause for that. The things I that I heard, and, yeah, the things that I heard and read, people groaned, and it was like, oh no, here we go. Because oh, yeah. at the end of Jeff Lemire, who was I'm telling you, that was an awesome thing where he delved more into the uh, again. I hate to say mythos all the time, but that's <laughs> what it was. He went into yeah. the whole the totem of the the arrow. Uh, yeah. the you know all that stuff and, and I then was the you only went, person who wasn't about it <laughs> well and at the end of his run even you could you, you get the idea that he was forced to put diggle in right and his credit made it awesome what it, you know there they he came in and it was diggle was it was past diggle's time with green arrow had been in the past and they had problems so you got all this like interaction and stuff like that but then all of a sudden then you get felicity and it was like oh no here we go yeah. it's it's just the tv show now it's and... very odd to me though how greenland uh, green arrow fans and arrow fans cannot like you know coexist yeah well you're, you're, you're one or the other it seems well, like and they don't want any bit of nonsense it, it, of it the other in their you, stuff. you go on say a reddit who yes, where reddit. is the place of hate but if you go on the Reddit channel, that's the Green Arrow channel, and talk Arrow, they get pissed. Yeah, and I, I get Arrow more of that. The Arrow channel, Arrow. the Arrow channel, is more of um, like uh, say, hey, this isn't the place for this. We talk about the show. The Green right. Arrow channel and the Green Arrow fans seem to really be pissed. Yet I'm sure they watch it. You would hope. I, I, I would hope. I but do. I enjoy the Arrow Green fans. Arrow. The Arrow fans. It doesn't carry over to them reading the comic. No. And in fact, I heard a thing um, on Comic Vine on their podcast. I, I think it was this week. And they put it in a very uh, a great way to kind of point out. It was just kind of an aside. But how many people have watched that Avengers, that new trailer that came out? It's like in the millions. Right. Yet there's no way how much an Avengers book sells is, you know, 90,000. It's it right. just people, Arrow people watch Arrow. They're not buying the book. I bet you more people that read Green Arrow watch the show than people who watch the show carry over to read right. Green Arrow. And I sense. And I don't know why DC doesn't get this through their heads. They really, I mean, granted, it's like a big carrot at the end of a stick where – you see these people are interested and they, they love this character and they love all these things. So you just, I mean, in, in a perfect world, the, how many people watch Arrow a week? It's in the millions. Right. And if they could get half of those to buy the book, everybody, the all over again. somehow I'd be rich. We'd all be rich. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And they, they want to do that so bad. But what they're ending up doing at points is alienating the people who are the diehard Green Arrow fans. And I hope that this next uh, creative team, and like you said, the art's going to be awesome. 
And I'm hoping that uh, the Ben Percy can give a story where somehow, well, the best would be, hey, if he writes something that everybody loves, and all of a sudden Green Arrow is the number one selling book. It outsells Batman, outsells freaking, happen, freaking but... Star Wars. You know, yeah. next thing, Luke Crate has has one of the issues, and it sells 18 million copies. But I would, it'd be, they're not going to cancel Green Arrow, but it's a shame that it's it's so low. Yeah. Uh, if you would guess, you know, hey, what are the big books? Because of Arrow, you would be, oh, Green Arrow must be pretty big. It's not. Uh, well, it's funny, too, because we talked about earlier how we're not, you know, looking forward to Convergence all that much. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to the Green Arrow Convergence because yeah. I'm saying I stayed away from um, Green Arrow, the one, the comic, the New 52 comic, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the first six issues. And then I think Senti took over. Yeah. And we won't talk about that. <laughs> Actually, but, we are. I had I had an issue though because it wasn't my Green Arrow, you know. Yeah. It wasn't Oliver Queen to me. Like uh, I needed him to have that Arrow Flynn freaking, you know, like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. mustache the, and goatee, and he, the the Van Dyke, the Van Dyke, yeah. And I'm saying this this going back to the versions, that was the Green Arrow I really dug mm-hmm. when I was younger, and I want to see that character again. Well, I'm saying I like the the stuff that we're getting recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stories haven't been that strong, but I like the humorous Green, yeah. like Oliver Queen. Well, and I I would think that. I would bet – I'm not a betting man, but I will bet some money. I'll bet you $5 that the next round of six-issue minis, there will be a Green Arrow, Green Lantern, and it will be – Oh, that'd be uh, great. It'll be the old style. Yeah. Uh, Van Dyke, freaking uh, Green <laughs> Arrow. It'll be Oliver of that because, again, that's where you get the benefit of having the New 52 completely dead and buried. And it's not dead and buried. <laughs> but that's where you get this other so – let's say this. You have your handful of the new 52 bucks that will continue, and then you get these others where you can just tell whatever stories you want. Oh, yeah. And that would be a great way to have the Green Arrow, Green Lantern. Honestly, uh, I would just start – like if I uh, like took over the book at some point, I would just start making him like start growing some facial hair and eventually just start shaving it into that. Yeah, yeah. It would be funny. Well, you got that a little with Future's End where he yeah. had the beard. But yeah, uh, I get. I'm telling you, I think it's going to be a six issue mini where you have that team up, and he'll be full out like that. It'll be the old school deal. Honestly, I would actually uh, prefer it. Like I like the how Jordan Green, like the Green Lantern, Green Arrow stuff. Mm -hmm. I want a Green Arrow Black Canary book. Yeah, actually, that could be. Well, they have that. They have that whole solo Black Canary as well. So I'm still sticking with my five dollar bet that uh, (laughs) you still owe me five dollars from. Nightwing being canceled, so yeah, that was my. Yeah, you said he died. I think I said no. I said at one point that I guarantee you it's being canceled because I, I, I think that wasn't it that uh, Kyle Higgins had like a comment that was very odd to me that I yeah. said it was like really, really odd. Uh, but yeah, not... I gave this book a, a six point five out of ten though, yeah. and it seems a little high too because I'm really not a big fan of this finale yeah. to the story arc or even yeah. the story arc in general. But I was a fan of Daniel Sampier's art because he's. It seems like he was struggling in the beginning because whenever you got somebody without a mask on, mm-hmm. they looked like a mongoloid. They just did not look right. Like Lex Luthor. not politically Bruce correct. Lane. No, it is not. Um, here, everything I thought looked great. Yeah, I thought I it looked really good. Book, and I'm actually a little uh, pissed off. Well, I'm not that pissed off now that I remember that Patrick Zercher's on in June because yeah, I love yeah, me some Patty yeah. C. Yeah. But um, I would like to see more of Daniel Sampier now that he's been getting his groove on. Yeah. Uh... I liked I like when uh, a guy really nails uh, the whole handful of characters, and he certainly does in this issue. He has a chance yeah. to really have a lot of different characters. It's his best looking Green Arrow issue. Yeah, it's good. 
uh, I guess that's about it for tonight. Yeah, that's the books, brother. That is the books, and that's the end of the podcast. And I'll give everybody a little rundown that we'd love for you to come to our site, right? Yeah. I'd love them to. And this week, uh, probably by the time this goes up, we're going to have a five-question interview with Landry Walker. Writer of Red Lanterns. Writer of Red Lanterns. Also, uh, Supergirl, eighth grade fiesta i forget what yeah, it's called and, uh, but danger club is his big one at image um but yeah we're gonna have a five questions up with him he tells us who his favorite 80s band is <laughs> and it's it's not who i would have known but it's yeah just... it's it's fun and we're gonna probably have in the next couple of days a bunch of previews uh some more reviews i still have uh reviews for this week i have to do lobo and get back to uh doing some stuff that i fell behind i'm way behind like I always am, but I think next week I only have four books, so I'll have plenty of chances to catch up. <laughs> I think you have like six. Not a lot of books right. next week, yeah. So well, we'll probably we do all ten. Yeah, we'll probably do all. I actually thought of that uh, the other day that next week we'll be doing all of our reviews, but we'd like them to come to the site. Anybody out there, come to our site if you want to join up, become a member of the site with all the benefits that that entails, <laughs> like being able to tell somebody you're a member of the site and maybe Ugh. finding out when we post stuff. That's about all you'll get. But this <laughs> site is at weirdsciencedccomicsblog.blogspot.com. Uh, if you want to send an email like John does and rip us apart and tell us that we <laughs> suck, you can send that to weirdsciencedccomics at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at weirdsciencedc, and we're on other things like Tumblr and things Pinterest, like that and Pinterest and in fact I just got a message uh, we're also going to be on Mike Blanchard's podcast coming up soon uh, the Geekcast Radio where we talk about books that we're looking forward to in the next two months he's just uh, sent me a message that he seems a little pissed off that I've not gotten to you about which books we're supposed to pick I didn't right. tell you that right no, you did no, not. I didn't. I didn't pass that on yet because I haven't even looked at it. I gotta look through. Or it's weird because not that people want to hear this, but we did this thing where we pick books that we're looking forward to. But the the, the weird part is is that we don't really know if they're going to be good ahead of time. Yeah. It's by solicits and coming out. And he said that we took too long the last time. So instead <laughs> of picking three books, we have to each pick four. What? I don't know. I don't know. I'm confused, too. But, yeah, right. so if you want to look, we'll be on that. I'm sure we'll tweet that out when we do that, and we'll be back next week to talk a lot more nonsense and run on like I'm doing right now. All right. So, comments. yeah, it was fun. I'm going to go and eat. You go eat, brother. All right. And, and... Uh, everybody have a good week. And you know what next week is, though? What is Friday oh, the 13th. Yeah, Friday the 13th again. And I'll week. be talking about two movies in the beginning, so you can look forward to that. And I'll be hitting the crickets and rubbing my... Uh, brow as i realize that nobody's listening to your well i don't get crap. that many like i don't get that many you talk about, talk about horror, horror every day I, I no i do not and i every day you think i'm listening and not once am i listening it's in one ear out the other and uh yeah yeah you're so not you gonna talk about puppet to. master are you no i'm not okay that's good then i'll, I'll be the in town the dreaded sundown and uh housebound okay housebound and what the Town That Dreaded Sundown. The Town That Dreaded Sundown. You know what I am? The podcast partner who dreaded horror talk. That's what I'll be talking about <laughs> Look, next week. Look, it's Friday week. the 13th, brother. Yeah. I don't get, this only happens like two or three times a year. Yeah, and it happened two months in a row. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? All right, yeah. 
Well, but everybody have a wonderful week, and we'll see you in seven. Yep, see ya. Bye. Bye. I'm going to talk about parallels on Netflix. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. What? Nobody cares about that. That was a great flick. Yeah, but nobody. It's a. It was a failed pilot.